0: Uh, hello, and welcome to D&D Brief. I am DM Samuel, I am your DM for the evening, and I'm here with my really awesome players. Let's start with Karu.
1: Hello, my name is Karu, and um, I am playing the adorable Marcel Duran, the fluid Lutrinian sorcerer. And Nina. Hello, I'm Nina. I am playing Emeryn who is
0: a human storm cleric.
2: And David. Hi, uh, I play half, uh, Halfling Bard Axley Tillingquest. And Matt. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm playing uh, Konos Lindeth,
3: the CL4 lock.
0: Awesome. Anybody have notes that you want to recap? <laughs> I have plenty.
1: <laughs> I have one, two, three, four pages.
4: Four
1: pages <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> We did, we, right. did a lot of, we did a lot of uh,
0: investigating. So.
4: Yeah, a
1: lot of that is just like turning left, turning right. That kind of <laughs>
0: of so was there so uh, here's here's an easy way to do this. And then if you if there's something that I feel like should be added for the audience or just to remind you, um, I will tell you. But so uh, is there something that each of you remember that you learned that you might want to keep in mind at the beginning of tonight's session?
3: Let's do it that way. Don't touch anything in the auditorium. Oh,
1: God, that was terrifying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, the auditorium is terrifying. We met Makodum, who is uh, um, a rat person, five foot tall rat, that has been down there for, he thinks, like, a couple weeks, and it's actually been a couple hundred years, possibly.
4: <laughs> but he yeah. was really
1: cool. Oh, God, we did a lot. We did a lot. One of the things that kept coming up was that everything we found was either, like, the newest thing was 51 years old, or they died 51 years ago, and that's when the sinking happened. So everything started to line up and be like, okay, well, definitely everything is linked. And that's about (laughs) what I got in terms of, oh, this is um, not good also a tent um, of catwalk coming up yeah um the completion of the book of proofs um means that we'll understand everything but also undo everything and that is the white axiom that is like in general like a very basic understanding of the white axiom so we don't really want to do that okay I did think of a question I wanted to put in the Book of Proofs, though, while we were away. I did think of one, but I'll have to remember. Okay. Uh, We found out that Cornelis Adrum is the last of his name, at least written down on the family tree in this library. That being the guy that is posing as what's-its? Halfling.
0: (laughs) Blacksley (laughs) Chillingquist. Blacksley (laughs) (laughs) Chillingquist. (laughs) okay anything else
1: we found out that uh how demons are able to transition and the whole thing of only one demon having gone from like really low to high and that was the one that
0: we had come across okay do you remember how a demon is able to go from a lower level to a higher level in rank
1: uh, going <laughs> down it's demons killing off being killed off their plateau to rise they get access to mortal souls that wielded power use use them or gift them to a higher demon the higher demon then grants them higher status
0: okay anything else
1: that book was 51 years old was <laughs> written by the yeah. centaur <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> Like, strange coincidence how all this is uh, happening. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, last thing I have to add is that our good old pal Shamasaha was the only one who has risen above her in slave station. Yeah. So that's not a really great sign for us, but <laughs> so It kind of uh, explains a bit why we're in this mess, though. If 51 years ago, Shamasa Hasit managed to rise above their station. There's also a lot of like handwriting scrawled in a lot of the books that we're looking through, and they're all the same letters, like the same person. I don't think we've caught on as to who this person is. We had a few guesses, mainly at Laralac, um, especially since one of them was... Was it written by Laralac? Did it have Laralac's name on it? What was it?
3: The um, uh,
1: the one with the dirge of the Adram houses.
3: Yeah, I got no. There's, there's something about uh, he, or an inscription that he re- in Warlack book in a book called "Collected Collected Wisdom of the Conquered Peoples," talking about a messenger finding a key to release the flood, a chained one and a chained eye. Release the flood. I don't remember that. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's uh,
3: his interpretation. I think. Uh. Um, There was something on uh, Allegrae Hammond, who I guess is the head of the Seminary of St. Abdar, which we were thinking about maybe going there at some point, but we don't know where it is.
0: Yeah, so um, let me see if I can fill in uh, some holes. So you did find the auditorium with the skeletons in it, Mm -hmm. and uh, you learned about a supposed creation story that had to do with Straben and Goros – being married, and the book was powerful enough to cause you to, in mechanical terms, change class. Right. Um, uh, the um, Axley wrote on the chalkboard as Immerin was 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 uh, reading the book. Axley wrote, "A lack of common sense will get grass kicked." <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's
0: That's what that was. A lecture in 10 parts by Ashley Chillingquist. Um, (laughs) And then you quickly left the auditorium after he wrote that. Um, You traveled for a very long time, finding that this place is absolutely enormous. And then you found the door to what's termed the maze. And that's when the door opened and you met Mokotum Flask Sword which is the rat person that Imran talking about. Yeah, it's pretty clear that he's pretty ancient and doesn't really know how long he's been there. But there's also no indication that anything he said to you is a lie or an untruth on purpose. And he told you that uh, a far plateau is one that's not easy to get to and a near plateau is one that's easy to get to that dumping a plateau into another plateau doesn't sound like something a mortal could actually accomplish, and that if you want to undo that, you would have to reverse the pull of the one plateau through the rift back into its initial plateau. Shamasahasi was an imprisoned, enslaved, trapped demon. Then he took Marcel to the reaches and found a book about Shamasu um, I've
3: got a note that somewhere in the mazes there's a teleportation circle that supposedly goes to the blue, mm-hmm. connects to the blue plateau.
0: Yes. He did say that. He said it's in the reaches, not in the maze. Okay. If I recall correctly, it's probably in my notes somewhere. But He also, he did talk about the white axiom. he mentioned that. Um... He said if the Book of Proofs was in the library, it would probably be placed in the spire room, which is a place you had not heard of before. Oh, I was wrong. He did say there was a teleportation circle in the maze, not the reaches. Um, And then the the last thing that we did was, yeah, so uh, Imran looked up Allegrae Hammond. Tavros gave a book gave the book to Marcel the collected wisdom of the conquered peoples that was by batet of calport that's what had the inscription in it and the inscription was the dirge and then there's also some uh other writing on it so the black writing on on the page is the dirge and then it's written you know um it's, it says the dirge of the house of Adram. And then down here, you know, in the lower left corner, there is uh, some scribbling notes in a different hand. And then at the bottom of this, it said, Hail Larillac, written in blood. That was on the cover page of this book, The Collected Wisdom of the Conquered Peoples by Batet of, it's a book of poetry by Batet of Calport. Um, then everyone spent two or three hours looking up a particular topic. Uh, Imran looked up Allegrae Hammond, found out that he's the head of the Seminary of St. Abdar, but he was very prolific. There's four shelves worth of books just by him or about him. He's apparently well-known and apparently still alive. However, every bit of his writings, because part of them are shelved chronologically, it all stops a year before the sinking. Um, Konos looked up the House of Adrum, and that was in the maze, but it was in the merchant section of the maze, not the arcane section, because remember everything's by topic, not the arcane section. There were two shelves of books about the House of Adrum, but most of them were basically recordings of imports and exports and money, but there were lots of, there were lots of notations about all the good works they did with all the money that they had. Um they did a they founded a lot of the different parts of Calport and some other cities. Then there was a bunch of family lineage info, and that's when you learned that Cornelius Adram is the last known that last recorded person in that family lineage. Um Axley went and looked up uh information about Tefetus, found about four shelves worth of books, and Sort of like Allegrae Hammond, there's a lot there about what he knows and what he did, except most of the books that are in this section were written as recipes of the process of learning and using magic and arcane energy, which is what Tefaitis was interested in. And so most of the published works that are in this library are things where he was showing how he went through and learned how to wield this arcane energy and use that magic to accomplish something, which means that most of the books are very mundane and just kind of, well, I tried this and that didn't work. And then here's what I tried and that didn't work. And then here's what, but you know, like 12 pages of here's how I tried it. Very detailed and all that stuff. So um, that didn't really provide any very much information at all, other than that he apparently is a real person or was a real person. And then meanwhile, Makotam and Marcel went to the Reaches, so you split the party, and looked up Shemasa Hasit, and um, that's when you found out all the things about Shemasa Hasit. The interesting thing was that the the book that talks about Shemasa Hasit herself and her rise through the ranks to power in the world of demons was written by Batet and is 51 years old.
2: So. And because of, like, there's a very specific lack of any kind of mention of Laralac, right? Didn't we kind of start to assume that Laralac is an identity of someone, like, like, prior to the sinking?
0: Yeah, what happened right at the beginning of when you went into the um, library was you were trying to figure out how the library works, and you were looking at the catalog, and Marcel said, you know, I can't see, I want to... You know, I want to take the book off of the off the podium so I could see it. I wish I had a stool or something, because the book wouldn't come off the podium. And then a stool appeared. And then you rang the bell. Konos rang the bell. And then the caterer appeared and asked you what you wanted to eat and drink, right? And basically said, well, if you need Tavros, just call Tavros. And so you called Tavros. And Tavros told you the directions on how to get down to the maze to find the arcane section. And then also... Right before Tavros left again, Marcel said, well, can you find out if, is there anything in this library that has, says anything about Laralac? And Tavros said, I'll have, I have to find out. I can look. And so Marcel said, yes, please look. And he said, okay, we'll do whatever you're going to do. I'll find you when I, when I have information. And as, after you got done talking to Makodim and you started milling about the arcane section of the maze, Tavros appeared and said, well, here's the only thing in this entire library and in this area that has any mention of Laralack at all. And it was the Book of Poetry, The Conquered Peoples, that book.
2: And it was only a notation in the front. And
0: it's only the notation in the front that's written in blood.
2: Yeah. Which which in and of itself, that entire absence of information on an individual in the greatest library, that says something very specific. That says it's very intentional that, that... that there's nothing on this individual right existence in history.
0: Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can come to that conclusion very easily. Yes. Because everything else, you know, other top, I mean, like even the merchant houses, like there's a book on every single merchant house that ever, every store that ever existed in Calport, as far as you can tell, has at least a book that talks about it. Mm -hmm. And here's this Laralac person. And the only mention of it is, written in blood on the front page of this book that's not even part of the book it's his somebody scribbled like poem they scribbled the dirge in there
2: yeah which to me raises my suspicion that the laralac is a created persona and it and so it could be anyone and and so now we need to start really looking at clues to see who it's likely is the individual who became laralac right that that executed that that plan of
1: my my suggestion was that laralock was a taken name that he changed to so he may have been going by another name before he took the name of laralock and that's why there's no like that was his decision of i'm doing this that's why there's only one book that has his name on it and then he like basically disappeared from history
4: Mm -hmm.
3: well uh, i would say we i had that one kind of post-show revelation of (laughs) <laughs> After we went off the air last time, I, I would agree with, Konos would agree with actually that, and uh, you know, this is where a am sounding like, you know, he's either, it's a pseudonym and it's one that's extremely recent based on the utter lack of information we're finding in a place that has tons and tons of information on all sorts of historical people and places and whatnot.
2: Yeah. I mean, what, 51 years ago, right? Yeah. I mean that's nothing in the span of history that's blink of an eye yeah yeah especially with the chaos that this world has gone through in that time
0: it's a generation and a half of lutrinian yeah. people i don't know what you're yeah.
2: saying it's not very long <laughs> so so then maybe we need to maybe we need to start analyzing motive right because we still don't know what the motive is for the sinking why would someone want to do that
1: yeah i'm not sure how many of you remember i'm only 12 <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> a <little> baby myself. <laughs> <laughs> you must protect the baby. <laughs> um, Yeah, in terms of motive, we kind of discussed last time, I think very briefly at the end, uh, about possibly Wairlock might be harvesting powerful souls for Shamasa Like, obviously that's the... Uh, demon, I guess, that he's serving. We saw it, or Kono saw it, at least. And if that's how Shamasahasi got to the place that she is, maybe a continuous stream of mm. souls is what she needs.
3: Or maybe he's trying to do the same thing that
2: or, she did. Yeah. Quite sure. Could Laralac be uh, one of those powerful souls that could be have been stolen and corrupted and being used by Shamasa
4: Maybe?
1: I was kind of thinking more along the lines, I think what Konos was saying, that maybe Laralac is presenting souls to gain power and status among the demons. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's what we learn the demons do to gain power, is present powerful souls.
2: That maybe uh, Hamasa Hasit is using Laralac to elevate their status to the top of the demon hierarchy with the promise of eternal reward.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what I'm guessing. That's what makes the most sense to me.
2: And if Larowak
3: has, you know, a pipeline into you know this Soul Spire, gives him you know all the access to souls he needs. If you know if that works the way we mm. kind of think it does.
2: Yeah.
1: So what is with this army of undead sea creatures? Where does that
3: fit? It's the yeah. question. I mean, if, I mean, if, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. like all he has to do is really think about it. If he's just, all he has to do is just wait long enough and eventually everyone dies and he can just, you know, pick out the souls he wants as they filter through. But he's just getting impatient and wants to speed up the process. I guess. Or maybe he has other ideas. I
4: don't
1: know. I just, I have that like nagging, I think it was my mom that said it, that, Larillac was trying to imprison Goras? Like, that has been in the back of my mind this entire time, honestly. Like, what? So, Makodam was saying probably would take more than a mortal to be able to pull the Blue Plateau through the Common Plateau? If that's what we're assuming is happening? Hmm. And if they're using Goras as a power source, like, the last time I ta- communed with Goras, I've never really communed with Goras before but she used like voices of people that I've heard and I almost feel like that means she's not powerful enough to like talk to me directly I don't know it's making me worried I'm
0: a little concerned about that your mom said something else too right she said that um something like she hasn't heard Goras. oh yeah since Laralac took her yeah and she's afraid she lost faith, and that's so, right. So she's, uh, the your mom was saying it as if, like, I haven't heard Goros right. because I lost faith because of what he did to me. And maybe if I had just kept my faith, I wouldn't have lost her, but, you know, right. I did. And it's, your mom is seeing it as her own failing, but maybe...
1: When I communed, I asked that question. I asked, are you able to communicate with my mom? And she said no. So that is also mm-hmm. another thing. I don't think she's yeah. powerful. Like, she's losing power and isn't able to communicate with all of her followers.
0: But didn't you ask her if she was trapped, too? And she said no. Did I? I
1: yeah, so. you did. I think that was I your last know. one of the questions you did was, was she trapped? And in, in
2: the answer was no. So how do you steal the power from a god?
0: That's the question. That's a
2: good question, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, what are you gonna do? <laughs> on
1: another note, yes, I have a question for the Book of Proofs. I'm gonna run it by everybody first because I—it's not gonna break the book, I don't think. But
4: um, <laughs> famous last words. I, eh, famous
1: mm-hmm. last words. No, I just want to know if the purse on is.
0: Breakable. The what? The curse? Because Um,
1: the crab affliction of Lucanius, if it's curable. And then if the book says no, I would like to ask another question and ask if it can be completed. And that will tell us one way or the other. It'll tell us if we can cure it or if it can be completed and if there's a chance to save Lucanius. Because that is on my to-do list, personally.
4: Haven't we seen...
1: Wait, we're in the biggest library in this planet. Um, do we wanna f- figure out if there's like any kind of uh content in here that speaks of such a curse?
4: That's we a could. Good
1: idea. But also the yeah, book will tell us how to cure it too, and actually can translate it and then we got it. That's Instead true. Of, we but we uh, could use Tavros to look it up. But he took a couple hours last time we looked something up. Well, if you I mean, want to find one book in a bar- library this long, that's actually pretty impressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
2: fair. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, it in takes us a while to decipher the the I proof. know. We I mean, we're not could... even through the other yeah. one, which is pretty imp- yeah, more important. Right. Um, in, in a way, we
3: kind of don't we kind of know the answer because you know basically what you what what you did with the Blue Goblins as far as the restorations
2: and the re- remove cursing.
4: Yeah,
3: because it, it was
2: successful, right? One was broken.
4: Well,
1: yes, but they weren't like. Showing like they weren't being transformed; they were just sick. The ones that were starting to transform into crabs, I tried to remove the curse; they just died.
0: Well, then, uh, and, and the the ones that um that it cured were goblins, right? Yeah, and yeah. they turned back into their natural form and w- expressed utter shock at where and when yeah. they were. Right. So let me remind, yeah. let me let me recall for you something that. Maybe you didn't catch uh when we had it, but Makodim, when you were talking to Makodim about the Book of Proofs, he said he's heard of the Book of Proofs, and he knows all about it, basically. He knows that it can tell the future and the past. He said it is a book of time, and that you can use it as much as you want as long as you don't break the white axiom. And that's when you started asking yeah. all about the white axiom. <laughs> but you skipped over the fact that he said it can tell the past and the future and it's a book of time because remember in this setting time is like a god it it is a it, it's not um it's the reason why bolam for example doesn't always know what time he's in because time is not a linear trajectory for all things in this universe and that must be true of Bolum, because he told you so. And it also must be true of the book. And so now I'll remind you of what you just told me, which is when you did try to cure those goblins, they transformed into halflings. One of them was a human, I think, and one was a halfling. Or two were halflings and one was... Anyway, those people were not from your time period.
3: They were several centuries off.
0: Right. Even from one another, right? They were not related in in any way that you could tell.
1: So our our first thought was these guys were like spirits reborn into these blue goblins from the like souls taken from the from the soul spire. Yeah, but now we also know that Shemasa Hasit se- wants souls to become more powerful.
2: Well, I guess if you have access to all the souls passing through, you might as well use all the lesser ones that are no other use to you as your minions, right?
1: Make like minions? I mean, yeah. 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 Here, I have a dozen souls to mm-hmm. layer like, just, just uh, so you can make yourself an army.
3: <laughs> go go play with these for a while. But right back to Lucanius, the question, yeah, I think that's a good question for the book.
1: Yeah, I just feel like Lucanius has come such a long way that I really just don't want him to die now. Like, I have a personal attachment to this <laughs> one. Both, this is both Nina and Emmerin speaking at the same time.
4: <laughs> just,
0: and since you it. found out he's Sharkface's brother.
1: Right. Wow. And then, like, if we could cure him, then there would be no reason for them to be quarantining my dad and my parents could be together again. Like, <laughs> there was a lot of angst for emeryn
0: i <laughs> don't know about the storyline but for emeryn it would
1: be a- who cares so, about the
0: giant flood my parents
2: right? can be reunited that's right.
4: that's right yeah
2: so who are our primary suspects for lara Lech, Then, who are the who are the magicians that disappeared right before the sinking there are a couple of them um, right
1: there was oh. the Tetus calport seems to have disappeared 51 oh, years ago yeah. And then there's the other um, guy that did the, all the books of, like, here's how things didn't work.
2: Tephetus.
0: That was Tepetis. And
1: Tepetis.
2: yeah. Oh, well, he disappeared, too.
0: Well, he, according to... So, Tephetus and yeah, Allegrae Tepetis. are two different people. Yeah, yeah those two. Yes. Tephetus yeah. is supposedly a gnome who died a long time ago, according to Tadius. Mm-hmm. And Allegrae Hammond... Wrote or produced, created, however you want to say it, the Book of Proofs with Tefatus, right? That's Mm -hmm. how those two are related. But Allegra Hammond did not die along with Tefatus, as far as you know, because the books, the information here says he's still alive. Well, presumed still alive, and presumed, you know, to be still the the head of the Seminary of Saint Abdar. But nothing that's in this library is within the last 51 years.
1: Right. So his last book in the library was 51 years old, which is why we were like, Hmm, that's suspicious. And I think that right. was one of the things that we were like, maybe we should go check out the seminary of St. Darby, because that's in Calport. No, it's not.
0: Where is that? <laughs> you have no idea. Okay. Yeah, oh, I mean,
1: that's
0: probably in other ways. Um, <laughs> I mean, you you can look, I mean, I'll presume you looked up where it was based on the information here. And in that, in that case, you learned that it was in a place called the Great Dam, D-A-M, not D-A-M-N, the Great Dam Forest, which was a humongous forest on the same continent as Calport, but it was very much farther south and to the east. According of to the, the big one we
1: range. have of like, post sinking is the great dam forest actually not fully submerged then?
0: You have like, no idea. We,
1: our maps are not specific enough.
0: The map doesn't tell you what islands used to be part of the great dam forest. There is that huge gray swath in the middle of the map but of okay. Calport. Oh yeah, there's a lot of gray down south. Yeah, lots of gray. There's gray mm-hmm. to the south of Calport. There's a big gray swath to the southeast of Calport, and there's an even, you know, maybe possibly larger gray swath south of that, next to that really dark deep ocean with the two big whirlpools in it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and the the little, like, rocky things with the... that's like Reef and and where ships have gone down? Or what is the... The white is that shallow the the ones that have like little black dots all over it. What yeah, does that so mean? so the light Yellow, blue or?
0: light blue with black dots is reef. White and the white is ice. Oh. The okay. sort of brownish uh, beige with brown lines that's hills. Yeah, so. and then the one
1: with the green like blue light blue with green
0: that's just um, like grasses grasslands. Oh. Remember these are islands. so everything oh, here is
4: I'm
1: talking about like south of Calport there's like uh-huh. two three ones with like dots of black and one with green like fronds on it. I thought the fronds were reefs, but you just said that the black dots were
0: reefs. Wait a minute. are, are you looking just at the Calport island? Mm-hmm. Oh yes. so the the light blue with black dots that's reef. that's that's mapped reef. Okay. okay, and then the greenish, what? the hexes that are green, those are like swampy forest land in the water. No, no, the the no, because they're part of the island.
1: No, I'm talking about because there's like three ones that have <laughs> blue with dot, dots of black, and then in the middle of them, there's one that's white with like little leafy green shit. On oh, it. that's
0: probably kelp forest. I'm not okay. At, I'm so not looking at the map at you know, very closely,
1: but yeah. Yeah. In the water.
0: Yes. That's kelp forest. So it's kelp versus reef. Right. Okay. And those are mapped because remember, right. So remember the red lines on there, that's the pathway to get out of that region. They're mapped because that's danger.
1: Okay. So if we know that the forest used to be to the south and like a lot to the south of Calport itself, then it's probably in the gray area.
0: Yeah. So, remember, there is a map gallery in this um, library that That's you right, chose yeah. not to go to. So, if you needed to find an old picture of the continent, you could we do could, so.
1: We could go do that and see if we could map it out. We'd have to figure out, though, the fact that, like, apparently these islands are, like, shifting.
2: Yeah, you have drifting going on here. It would right. still okay. give us, like, uh, a Pangea effect going on.
1: Don't you still have that rod of finding? Yeah. You can use that to help us, like, track. Also, probably figure out if this guy's still, like, on the common plateau. Who? Allegraie mm-hmm. no.
2: We could use the rod to look To try him. to find him by yeah, name. It, but, we, yeah, at
1: least that we have, like, a general direction, and, like, we get confirmation that he is, like, around. If I- like, this guy's dead, then we're not going to have any luck, and it's a pointless trip. But if we know for a fact that we can point, pinpoint him and follow it, we might have a better shot. There's I want to write
2: like in the book of proofs is. that Allegra Hammond is Larrilac. He's my prime suspect, just because I, <laughs> just because I think if you, I think if you talk motivation, right? So Patet has a, a legacy of poetry, which is a very, fairly benign, not not a very narcissistic or power hungry.
1: He also wrote about Shemasa Hasit becoming a head honcho demon, so that's yeah. not quite
2: poetry. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> it was well, one of those three, right? Well, and, pro- and probably not, probably not the other author of the *Book of Proofs*, because we know that he died earlier than fifty-one years ago.
1: I mean, I think the only reason we had said Batet was not it was because the writing that is supposedly Batet's does not match the one in in. On all the books and the one in red, the one in yeah. blood
2: fifty yeah. fifty shot. I mean we you know we could even could we even write in the book of proofs that one of the two of them is Laralac and that would cast a little wider net and at least answer that question. I guess.
3: And just come back and say yes, but which one
2: we know which one yeah, but that's pretty I mean that's pretty valuable to know and we can yeah. we could then do a little bit more research and probably narrow it down after that, just to know we're in the... This, that's not even a ballpark. That's I'd like also, a base in the ballpark. I'd
1: yeah. also like to point out that we've been stuck in here for who knows how long.
2: Yeah. And
1: there was something about a dragon uh, uh,
2: Oh, dragons.
1: harassing <laughs> the city.
2: There's always a dragon. True. <laughs> they live for hundreds of years. Wait. They're not going anywhere. They'll wait. <laughs>
1: yeah, but the thing is, if we get the dragon down, we might be able to have wyverns on our side. And that would be a powerful really? ally if we're going to go against Lerilac uh, and his army of undead. We also need to pay our crew. Yeah, details. <laughs> <stuff>. yeah.
0: <laughs> technicalities.
1: Conus
3: has Technical. mail to deliver. It's probably all out of date right uh, now, but.
1: <laughs> we have a lot to do. All right, let's get moving. Let's actually make sure we haven't been down in the library for three
0: centuries on accident.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Boy, that sure would change
2: something, wouldn't it?
1: That would be a lot of things, actually.
2: (laughs) I mean, we're lacking information. That's the that is the number one deficit that's that is hindering our figuring out our next move. I feel like the kind of
1: information we're finding in this library is more questions. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's
2: how I feel. Or it's cool knowledge, but how actionable is it? How much is it really helpful? Yeah. Let's say you got to keep filling in gaps until you get the picture. You start to see the picture.
1: I do think finding some maps of what uh, Calport and the continent where Calport used to be to compare to our maps might be useful. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. Sure. If we want to put a question in the book of proofs, we should probably make a decision and do that now so that we get it earlier. However... Yeah we do that it deletes everything that we have right now from the oh last God. question yeah. and i don't know if we finished transcribing it, I, transcribing it. it. Yeah. I think you spent some time doing that last session transcribing the book of proofs but i don't know if you finished so until that's finished i don't yeah how much does anybody know how much longer we have <laughs> in terms of transcribing i hope i, so, I, l- no. I lost
2: track of that <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh wasn't it that um we thought it would take like 24 hours of constant work and you've been breaking but, it up yeah yeah
1: Ashley yeah, and i had both worked on it and the they haka village yeah mm-hmm. for quite a while if i remember right
2: right I thought I'd finished transcribing it. I thought I was in the process of trying to decipher it. Y-
0: yes, that's what I meant. Yeah. You've already. Oh, okay. Yeah. you oh, already transcribed it. I closed the book and no problems. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's
1: right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can actually ask it another question if you'd like. Okay, so then let's ask it another question.
1: Who I don't know. Do you, you did do... you
0: bring the book of proofs with you or did you leave it um I'm sure we did, I think. Yeah I think have. I, yeah. I think you you also brought all the other books from the temple. the, yes. p- pal- yeah. the, the yeah, Palace of Mud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, I my question, but what else does everybody else think?
2: Because if we know who Larelac is, then we can focus our study on that individual. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: but here's the thing: we studied everything there was in this library about Allegra Hammond, and um, oh, we we yeah. did, we did. We looked at every single book that, like, so what else are we gonna get from him? Right. Like, we already oh. got went through the whole collection. So Trust me, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure what else. Like, if we knew that it was him. And apparently so far we don't have any links to
0: that. Well um, so and and to be clear, right, we're talking about four shelves of books, right? So like, like we haven't read them. Right, right. You spent like two to three hours paging through them just looking for so yeah, you have not you haven't read them, but you also yeah. didn't find anything that jumped out as, oh hey, here's something we should you know, I should I should look at this particular volume more closely. But the things that you took note of is basically what we talked about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We didn't read everything, but we definitely slipped through everything and no,
0: no more bloody signs and no more. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so, well, so I, the reason I'm saying that is if you do have a specific question that you want to look for the answer to, you can do that. But remember when you were looking at these books, it was sort of just, well, I just want to know about this person. So you didn't actually go in with a specific question. So if you have a specific question you can spend more time with these shelves and with these books to try to find the answer to that without asking the book of proofs.
3: Then okay. the question about the Burns question about removing the curse would be probably the better one for the book of proofs then.
0: Did we also look through
1: Batet's book collection? Or I just
3: Hammond. I don't know if we looked for Batet specifically. We found stuff by him, but I don't know if we said, hey, find us stuff about about this guy. Yeah.
1: I, I find it interesting that the two books we've managed to find were not us going, hey, we want to learn about Batet. It was, hey, we want to learn about these two specific things that have to do with the sinking, and they were both written by Batet. <laughs> So maybe the person we should be looking more information about now is Batet of Calport, because I don't think he was just a simple poem maker. I would agree with that. So why don't we divide and conquer? What if a couple of us... Words. We need to find the maps. We need to find out yeah, more about yeah. Batet. What else do we need?
3: kind of want to find out more about like the Blue Plateau and the Threefold Lake and the Soul Spire. Soul Spire.
1: It might take a
0: stroll. A okay, so are you gonna you're gonna split up the party and go looking around the
3: library? I think that so one hearing?
1: more time. Okay. And then yeah. we should probably leave because we have spent so much time
3: here. Yeah. Know, we could easily get stuck here forever.
1: I know, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. So I think I don't mind looking up Batet and seeing what of what other interesting things he might have written, considering two of his books seems to have been important. Um <laughs>
4: Mm -hmm.
0: okay so marcel's marcel's gonna look up the tet who else has navigators tools
3: uh i do
0: okay
1: do you want to look for the map stuff
3: yeah i can i i can go back and take care of that
1: it'll it'll be better if someone who knows about maps is looking
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll i'll handle that
0: okay okay so then we can have actually maybe for the blue plateau information wait so konos you're gonna go try to find maps
3: yeah, I'll you, I'll make my way back to the, back to the map gallery, and yeah, trying to look on, you know, it's more about uh, so you know, maps.
0: That takes you out of the lower part of the library, so you'll be leaving the mazes and the reaches.
3: Yeah, uh, does anybody want to come with me for this, or? Uh,
1: well, the other thing we have to find out is more information about the Blue Plateau, right? And the Soul Spire?
0: Oh. Is that in the
1: reaches, or is that up?
0: so I mean plateau and plateau topography is in various stacks. different yeah you're either A in sack. the stacks OP and N or in the planetarium also and there's flora and fauna regarding the plateaus
4: in yeah those are
1: mostly stacks but also pens
0: yeah
1: oh god pens for fauna that's do they actually have like I creatures there
4: <laughs> didn't, we, didn't we pass by something yeah Uh, Uh,
1: Actually, instead of topography and all that, you might want to go to, well, it doesn't say plateau, but it says history far near. What does, doesn't far near refer to the plateaus that are far
4: near?
0: Far near history refers to recent history and ancient history. Okay, never mind.
1: There is no plateau history. Correct. That's useless. Let's just go to the fictional history section. That's probably going to be more interesting than anything else. (laughs)
0: funny you should say that because uh that's where you're gonna find batet's works oh god of course because he's a
1: (laughs) bard um wait does that mean that if i'm looking for batet stuff i'm also going to be out of the reaches
0: it depends on what you want to search for do you want to search for the things he wrote or things about him both actually i'm
1: probably more interested in seeing what he wrote
0: Okay, then that will take
1: you. The two books, the two books that we've spotted that were by were by Batet, Mm -hmm. and they had interesting content. So I'm kind of curious if he already wrote two books that had information that was relevant to us. What else did he Mm -hmm. write, basically?
0: Yeah. So the majority of his collections are in the fictional history section. Fascinating. Wonder how fictional they really are. Uh, (laughs) So I'll be heading to the stacks. Yeah, so, you, so you'll be going out of the maze as well. Um, so, Konos, you're going to go to the map room. What about Imran and Axley?
2: I think I'm just going to continue to study the, the proof and okay. try to make some progress.
0: Are you going to do it in the maze?
2: Might as well. It's a nice quiet place. <laughs> the rest of the library, who knows what you'll find up there.
0: So am I
1: writing in the book? Yeah, are we are we leaving a question for the book to work on? I think we should. We might as well. We have it.
3: And this, and this is going to be take some more time. So,
4: mm-hmm.
0: all
3: right, sure. just write well, it in, so and leave it, with re- me, yeah, uh, and
0: works it out. Writing in the book only takes a few minutes. However long it takes you to write, right?
1: Yeah, we then, just want to do that before yeah. we um, go. But, right. right. Then,
0: then what are you going to do, Imran I'm
1: specifically? Gonna take a trip to the Spire Room, I think. Okay. Maybe.
2: Probably ask
1: Tavros for some help. I'm more just curious than anything. That's where I found the book of proofs before it was, like, human skin covered. Oh. In my dream. Like, when I first... When we first, like, took off for Calport,
0: and I, I don't know, I just... Kind of am curious to see what's up there. Remember, Tadius had said when he last saw it, it was a beautiful blue with silver foil stamping on the cover and all that. And he thought it was pretty disgusting that you covered it with the skin.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm going to go up there if that's okay with everybody else. It might take me a hot second.
0: So I I have a question to ask everybody. And I want Mm -hmm. you to think about this question really hard. Boy, Do you really want to split up into four separate parties? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> because that's what you're doing because every you're looking in completely different places for everything you want to find out mm-hmm. so while there's a, the benefit of it would take you less time and presuming there's no danger you will only you can all come back together in two or three hours and you'll have all kinds of extra information. But the reason you were able to do that last time is you were all in the same basic place. You were in the maze, except Marcel mm-hmm. went to the reaches, which was far away, but you had Makotam Who you apparently trust. But sending Konos back to the map repository. Axley stays down in the maze. Marcel goes to find the fictional history. And Imran going to find the spire room is like going to the four corners here.
1: Yeah, we're like miles apart from each other. I I have a sneaking suspicion that we might find some resistance in the spire room.
0: So I, I know that because I'm the DM, you're like, oh, sh- it's going to be dangerous. But I'm yeah. only asking because these things that you're doing are going to take you different amounts of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it might be dangerous. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm not saying it is. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to hint that you're all going to get ambushed and die. OK, that's not what I'm saying. But yeah. like as four people that have been doing this together for now months, do you really want to yeah. leave each other? Especially I mean, because Makodim is, like, ancient and he's been in the maze. You're going to leave Axley down in the maze by himself and you're all going to leave.
3: Fair point. We don't know, like, some of these other areas, we, do we really even know where some of these other areas are?
1: Um, Not yet. Well, the thing is, we don't really need to be in the maze. And if Axley's just going to be working on his stuff, he might as well go with one of us to wherever we're looking for things. And he can work on his proof there. Like, he doesn't need to stay down in the maze. Yeah. yeah, you can accompany and then
2: sit and do your work. Okay, all right, I'll go to the spider room then. That sounds interesting.
1: Oh, that might not be good.
3: I think maybe the better idea is to say is pick a place that we all go. All four of us go to at once, I then move on to the next work. place.
1: What if we do two and two? What if Ponos and I go to the map room and Marcel and Axley go and search for the Tet stuff? The Tet stuff. Okay. We should do that. I feel like more. that's safe, because we saw the map room on the way here, so we at least know where that is. And then Axe... I, maybe I should go with Marcel, because we don't know where that is, and I have a sending spell that I can talk with you guys, so I can tell you where we're at. Okay. And if nothing else, if something goes wrong and we run into a crazy room with a bunch of loose animals in it, we can call you guys and maybe not be completely helpless. <laughs>
2: But uh, okay. Marcel has the sending too, right? So the two no, people that No, I have send. message. Oh, message. Yeah.
1: but message is only one hundred and twenty feet. This place yeah. is huge. Yeah. sending yeah. is, however, literally yeah. whatever. So, I mean, a map, map area shouldn't be dangerous. Know. Yeah,
3: we know where the, we know where that is. Sure. Yeah. I, think we, the, I think it's the closest one to us. So.
1: And there's got to yeah. there's there's probably places to study in every single place in this library. So oh, sure. actually can do his stuff, wherever. So he can go with Konos and look at... While well, Konos is looking at the maps, you work on the proof.
4: Alright.
1: And then do you mind if I write in the book and send that with you and just carry it open for however long it takes? We might want to all go to the maps. You can write down the thing there so we can keep the book open, and then we'll go on ahead. That sounds fine. Yeah, okay. fine. So our plan is... All four of us are going to the where the maps are. Okay. Uh, we write in the Book of Proofs, and then um, Emerin and Marcel will head to the stacks to look up the books by the pet. Okay. Sounds like a plan. To be fair, it'll be quicker if there's two of us reading the books. Do you want me to go with you?
0: Do you want to help us save the world?
3: Or at least not be stuck down here anymore.
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't stuck but...
3: Fresh air might do you good.
0: Sure, sure. That sounds good. Let's just get this door open. And he waves his hand and all the locks start unlocking. And then he goes to pull the door open. And once again it takes what seems like forever for him to pull this four-foot thick door out of its frame. But he does so. All right, then. After you... Pile out into the hallway. <laughs> so you're going to go to the map room. Yep. Okay. Tell me where you're going.
1: <laughs> Haru, now's your time. Oh, I only started mapping the things we had passed when we got to the auditorium, but we have to go north, north all the way till we see some maps, I guess. Um, yeah,
4: I think it's so. pretty
1: much because we got to the maze, past the door of the the entrance to the maze is just. It was kind of like a cave, wasn't it? <laughs> it? Snaked up and down and sideways, and then we got to the stairs that went up to the auditorium, and then past the auditorium. Well,
0: there was a there was a T or a cross intersection near the maze door, so there was a door to the left There's- and a door to the right, or and stairs a- and then a door.
1: Yeah, stairs to the left, mm-hmm. door to the right. But we were looking for the maps that were upstairs, right? Because we
0: saw a section with mm-hmm. maps. Yeah, mm-hmm. you so saw the door to- that said Map Gallery. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: That's by the so there's a there's a so there's a, a fork there or branch there. So the east labeled D, west says Map Gallery, south leads to the main hall. So was that? A, uh, so I that that's, the auditorium, or was that that was that would have been north of the auditorium. So mm-hmm. that was okay. So, there was the printing machine room? We passed. It was, we went down some stairs, I think we went past a beehive, we came into the main hall, or near the main hall, and in that area there was a path, something going east that says D, and something going west that says Map, map Gallery, and then south goes further to the main hall. <laughs> and like, st- I'm, I'm trying yeah. to like yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Basically, I'm basically trying to invert yeah. my notes because yeah. I wrote them in the order that we came, not the way we're going out. Right.
0: So basically, you were told by Tavros to just keep going south and pass, go go through the auditorium or the printing room, and then go past the beehive. And then we never go, saw the correct. And then and then go keep going south until you find the maze. That's basically what he told you. Yeah. It was basically a straight shot. When you left the auditorium, you went down this very narrow flight of stairs that had very um, shallow steps in terms of the, the size of the tread. Um, and you went down about 50 feet, and then you went through a snaking, winding passage that eventually ended up in a T-intersection and you could have gone left, right, or forward, forward being south, and you went south and found the maze door, which was the only stone door that you've seen in the place. Everything else was wooden in terms Mm -hmm. of
3: doors. In that T-junction, there was another door east, and then some stairs to the west, looks like they go up.
1: Right. Yeah. So let's let's retrace our steps.
3: Okay.
0: Um, As you're walking through the maze-like passage... Makotam says, "I don't remember this being this way." Really? Oh, it feels very different.
4: Well, that's not
1: all that's going to feel different if you go outside. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 what all what all else do you remember being being different or changed?
0: Well, these passageways were lit with magical light and well traveled. This just feels very slimy and wet and not well traveled at all.
4: Yeah,
1: maybe some of the library suffered some damage with the <sighs> stuff that happened outside. Hmm.
0: Well, there was the great shaking a few weeks ago. Okay. What yeah, all happened with that? Well, I'm not sure. I was in the maze, and it just started shaking everywhere, and it closed off some of the passages. But who who knows what happens. Sometimes, you know, there are things that happen in the Earth, and it moves, and that's it. So has
1: there only been one shaking? That I can remember, sure. In here. Okay. Well, that's that makes sense. A bit. Um... I wasn't around for that. Uh, Let's keep going, North.
0: (laughs) I will remind Imarin that at the end of your dream vision, there was an earthquake.
4: (laughs) Wait, what?
0: (laughs) At the end of your dream vision, when you were running, running, running away from those guys... You felt one of them tried to grab you, and then the you heard something, whether it was an explosion or something, and the ground started to be unsure under your feet, and you fell as they grabbed you, and you looked over, and that's when you saw your mother's face in the reflection, and then there were rocks falling and whatnot.
1: That might explain why we never saw the beehive. <laughs> I was going to say, did any of the did they like, you know, if. The passages got opened back up, or did they just stay closed?
0: No, I mean passages in the maze. Some of them got blocked off. I haven't been out of here for a long time. Mm. So
1: you aren't able to access a couple of passages in the maze?
0: Yeah, it's nowhere I wanted to go to anyway.
1: Oh, so we might be missing information. (laughs) Okay. We didn't Um, run into any of them blocked off passages when looking for things, so we found all the information we were looking for. It's not like we went looking for Hammond's books and half of them were buried behind rubble. Tavros did go (laughs) looking for Larillax books though, and only came back to one. True. Mm. Though I suspect he can go through anything. Yes. What is Tavros, honestly? spirit of the library um
0: he's the curator yeah (laughs) that's why he knows where everything is he put it there he did the organization how old is Tavros do you know Makoto as old as the library itself
4: interesting
1: definitely a ghost and you saw him like appear and disappear you think he's listening right now? <laughs> Probably. Okay. He's always <laughs> listening in case you call him. Yeah. Especially when you mention his name. Then he perks up. I was going to say, do you think we could get a conversation out of him? Or is he just going to, like,
0: what? Well, he knows everything about the library. He knew Therondimus. Dare I ask who that is? Yeah, this is this is the library of Therondimus. Therondimus yeah. founded the library. Okay. It was Thorondomus's idea to have an actual library that's open to everyone. Remember, that's not—that's not, mm-hmm.
4: that's
0: that's not how of... libraries actually were. They were still only open to powerful, rich, learned people. But this one, in its heyday, was open to everyone.
2: It's but not no, now, as you found out, well.
0: but <laughs> but but you know, Macodum doesn't know that, right? Yeah. All
1: right. All right. Well, let's get to the map room first. Yeah. Staying on task. Keep going north past the auditorium. Has anything changed in the
0: auditorium since we left? So, you go up the stairs and you go into the auditorium. And, um, the skeletons in the cases are just sort of hanging there until Imran comes into the room. Oh, no! (laughs) And then they stand up at attention again.
1: Power walking, keeping my head down. Just <laughs> no, nope, we're not. No, nope. I don't do undead things, guys. I'm a cleric. <laughs> I just watch what Makoto thinks of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: he's just sort of shambling along. He doesn't really. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. he sort of nods to them all. He's using a cane, you know. He's mm-hmm. um, actually. You want to give me a perception check,
2: please. <laughs> All right. oh, boy! <laughs> uh, I rolled a seven plus my perception bonus, which is only like a couple, I think. Persuasion. Perception. Plus four. So eleven. Okay.
0: Oh. Um so you notice as you're walking through that what you wrote on the board isn't the same.
1: I was gonna say I'm definitely looking at what <laughs> you actually wrote and
4: <laughs>
0: see if anyone's a- added or deleted anything off of it. Um, instead of saying a lack of common sense, it says, well, let's see. Is it instead of, or did they add to it? Um, I think um, under it or next to it, they didn't erase what you wrote, but under it or next to it, it's now it says an adrum of gold makes you poor. Well met, we are not. A lecture in five parts by the Ooh. Ah. So El- El- it says, it says, an adrum of gold makes you poor. Well met, we are not. A lecture in five parts by the Because Whoa. you wrote, a lara lack of common sense will get grass kicked. A lecture mm-hmm. series in ten parts by Axley Tillingquest. So they added a lecture to the schedule.
4: (laughs) Uh, Who wrote that?
0: Apparently, Batet. Apparently, (laughs) Batet.
2: It's not signed by Batet, is it? It just says a lecture in five parts by
0: Batet. Because yours said by you, so I'm
1: assuming that was Batet who added that. Uh, He also. Oh, I I see. Moment, we are not. <laughs> what is going on in this library?
3: <laughs> I, I, I walk a little faster through this room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so much. There's not, like, as I'm walking through, there's no one else in the room, right?
0: You want to roll me a perception check?
1: Ain't really don't, no, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. 19.
0: Um, you don't see anybody else, but you notice that one of the skeletons has a piece of chalk in its hand. No! Oh. Uh.
1: No! <laughs> Do you tell anyone about this? <laughs> i feel like, screaming and pointing at it. <laughs>
0: I'm cleric, you are. <laughs> you, you're screaming and pointing? Did you, did you really I scream will, and point?
1: I will, I will yeah. point and be like, um, guys, that's not normal... That, not, you're no, not
0: screaming and pointing. You're just. I'm not screaming. Okay. I'm just
1: pointing at it and alarmingly
0: <laughs> gesturing to it. When you do that, the skeleton it puts its hands up and then it looks down at the chalk and kind of puts the chalk behind its <laughs> back <laughs> oh. and stands at attention.
1: <laughs> Wait, so is the skeleton Batette? Hello, skeleton. Are you called Batette? Uh, I, th-
2: I think the skeleton just has a wry sense of humor. It's just a smart ass.
1: Wait, okay. Oh, God, now I have to talk to a skeleton. Marcel's <laughs> already talking to the skeleton. Definitely asking the skeleton if they're batet.
0: Its jaw moves, but no sound comes out. I mean, the jaw, you know, makes I it. Give, moves, I, with-
2: I give the skeleton a, a well-met salute. Kudos to you. It
0: nods its head. <laughs>
1: Oh, I can nod for that question, but you can't nod to say if you're
0: It's it was trying to talk to you. It's in a yeah. case too, so.
1: I know. I don't have speak with dead. I don't have it prepared today. Do I, see a it?
3: <laughs> Do I see any like little like handheld slates or chalkboards hand- sitting around anywhere?
0: I have my notebook. Mm. You haven't looked in any cabinets or anything.
1: How are the uh skeletons kept peek. in their like cases? Does it have like yeah. Is it glass?
0: Well, the cases are wooden framed with glass on all sides. And there's, you know, little knobs. But that has to be like an en- entrance, right? Well, there's a knob for you to open the f- door. The case. Mm-hmm. Is it is the knob on the front of the case or mm-hmm. on the back it's of the case? It's on the case? front. Um, Konos, you find uh, one of the cabinets has a bunch of slates in it. A couple of things <sighs> of chalk.
3: I'll take one of the slates and say, well, this, maybe, maybe we can have, give it this and have a community. If we really want to, if we really want to get answers, this might be a way to do it. Uh, fine. <laughs> I will go over to this case where the skeleton that'll hold in the chalk is. I will hold up the slate to it and I'm going to offer it. It's like, we hold on. Like, I'm going to, like, here you go. And I'm going to open the door and say, here, write your answers.
0: As you, Are you open you- the door and hand it to it, it puts its arm out and says, thank you. So Soundproof to- windows. I
3: like. This. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, are you? But are you or were <laughs> you batte?
0: No, of course not. <laughs> but then why okay. did you put electron five parts by batette? I am Gaston. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Why did you write that on the board, then? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be
0: funny. Did you know Batette? Well, he was here once.
1: How Was that 51 years ago? Don't know. You probably don't so, know what time of day it is. You know how you're talking?
0: This way? Do all mm-hmm. the skeletons here talk? Only some of them. Yeah, oh, let's the just move around. They're pretty boring and tired.
1: That's fair. Oh my god, we got so sidetracked. We're waiting for
0: him. <laughs> We're waiting for him to come back. <laughs>
1: waiting for who? Ooh. Oh, the
0: The last person to read from the book. Wait, what? The book. The lecture. See, and but he points Ted? kind of over your head at the, at the podium. podium. You talking about but the He Was the, book the was last the one away from that? Yeah.
1: And then he got he transformed into some kind of cleric. Who? Batet.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> what about him?
4: <laughs> I'm not able to talk through all the laughing. <laughs> what is happening? Well,
0: you said <laughs> that Batet he, read from that. He book, He gave us right? the lecture, and that's why I can still talk, I guess.
1: Oh God, that's weird. Oh. Hmm. But that book is magical, and it makes you a cleric. Is that what you uh, said, Cameron? Um, uh huh. Yep. It makes you feel like you want to be a cleric of Straben.
0: We thought you were gonna stand up there and lecture to us again. No, thanks. thanks. You would wake up the rest of these fools so I could have someone to converse with. Thanks.
1: (laughs) So can you only talk and walk around in this room? So like if you walk away
0: from this room, do you like
4: turn around? I can't walk
0: around. He kinda turns his head and you could see that his neck there's a hole through one of his vertebrae and his his whole body is hanging in the case by that there's a hook is and is he try like he like moves up? his legs to show you that he's just kicking in the air is
1: yeah. so wait how did you write the thing on the chalkboard
0: well, that's a good question <laughs> he he reaches back and he pulls the chalk out he says with this
1: oh my god Isn't the chalkboard like is the board like he close starts for writing
0: him? in the air and it appears on the chalkboard Oh, it has magic
1: that's chalk? Cool. That's some neat. Is that the chalk or is that you?
4: <laughs> what do you mean?
1: <laughs> that you write in the, the air and it shows shows up on the chalkboard.
0: He hands you the chalk.
1: I try writing in the air.
0: <laughs> what do you write?
1: Um, Marcel was here. <laughs>
0: Classic. You write that <laughs> and it appears on the wall. <laughs> No. On <laughs> the So cool. Ah,
1: I like this chalk. I pocket it.
0: <laughs> hey, he
1: oh. says. Now where's my fun? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where are your fun? Obviously. Are you going to read from the? Uh, if you if you read, give us another lecture so that we can get to the next part. So did Batette not read the whole book for you? Uh, he woke us up and then he left all of a sudden. Why did he leave? I don't know. He didn't tell us how rude. What what was the last thing he read? I don't remember. All I know is it woke us up and now I can talk and none of these other people want to do anything. I
1: you wanna gonna come gonna with say, us?
0: Yeah. Are okay. you gonna
1: hook me? But you do you see the correlation though?
4: The what? Clarilac
1: yeah. awoke
4: dead.
1: his army of undead mm. and Batet awoke this undead person. Mm-hmm.
2: Aren't aren't there aren't there like anti clerics dark dark clerics that deal in death
1: necromancy? But like it could, this could be the magic that they needed. Something in the back of my head like clicked, and I can't like put it together. Can't leave in play, even like, a hurry after you guys suddenly started animating.
0: A hurry. I mean, I don't know. I thought he was going to come back for the next lecture. We had been having lectures for 3 days. And and on the 3rd day you all came to life and he just No, we came to, came to life apart. on the first day.
1: Oh. So you came to life
0: and he kept lecturing for 3 days and then two more days. The then he then he then he left for the day and I thought he was going to come back and he never came back. And then you showed up. So I thought you were going to be the replacement lecturer.
3: It's the last thing he spoke about before he left
0: he doesn't remember
1: you'd think he'd remember the last lecture like if you don't even remember the last lecture what's the point in lecturing you if you don't remember what was lectured
0: look what do you want from me i was here okay i showed up uh-huh <laughs> showing up is not enough you're supposed
1: to pay attention <laughs> you're not gonna I pass mean. your test if you don't pay attention oh. wait oh, there's no. a test win well, what do you think? Oh, no. well, it's just, you know, lecture, then you have a test no. see if you actually retain anything. No. Is there anything in there? Or just
0: air. <laughs> he he kind of does this, and he lifts the top of his <laughs> skull off. <laughs> and he puts his head down. I don't know what's in there. Air.
1: He puts just it as back. I expected. see. There's how can no I remember point in lecturing to you? Then it just goes in and out. Like, what's the point?
0: I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I feel
1: like Marcel needs to free this person because this is just this would be okay. fantastic. I have Higher an idea. Shipping. We unhook you from there so you can walk around and you continue the lecture. Oh wait, Ooh. we don't all want to be clear. okay. I can do that.
0: I think I can still read. I think that's a good idea. I'm gonna go back over to the book.
1: Well, you can. Act- well, it seems like you have no issues writing, so. I can't take you down though, because, you know, I only reach your knees.
3: <laughs> you All right. Left it. Uh, we'll cast Mage Hand um, and carefully unhook. Uh, What's the
0: weight limit on oh Mage God. Hand? Well,
3: that's a good question. Uh, like five pounds? Five pounds?
0: Yeah, it's five. not. It uh, he's heavier than that.
3: Pounds. Oh, so I just. Okay, so.
0: Yeah,
1: no, and the only thing I could probably do to try to get him off that is gust of wind, and that's going to go terrible. <laughs> oh,
4: that's not to good Phones
1: everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of us has to be tall enough to be able to reach the back of
0: a hook. And I mean, yes, I can, I
3: can physically move. reach in and...
0: You Konos <laughs> doesn't right. want to touch it, though. He just <laughs> wanted to do Mage Hand. <laughs>
3: <laughs> cool, because I thought it was like, you know, like a, like a like a hook on a string or something like that. So, yeah, if it's not that, I will yeah, I will physically reach in and say, all right, hang on. Uh, unhook him.
0: Okay, so you, you have to, like, prop prop his weight up so that it's loose enough that he's not, his full weight isn't on it so that you can unhook it. But that's easy enough to do. <sighs> yeah, so as okay, you set on. him back down, he says, thank you. Are you going to well, stay he- for the lecture? No. I don't want to be a cleric. No, you won't be a cleric, but I will.
1: <laughs> that, That's what she said, exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a skeleton cleric is going to be. <laughs> now the question is: Would you be? A, would would you take on like Goris as your as your uh, god or
0: Straben?
4: I think Gorus is. I don't is know what that means.
0: Let me go read the book and find out. Okay. okay. He starts walking.
3: Good luck with that. Podium have he done (laughs) Uh,
0: are you going to stay or are you going to go we do have a
1: timetable we should probably go this is such a we have unleashed a terrible
0: thing upon this world
3: Um, here's the cool thing we just created the big big boss for the next campaign
0: (laughs) (laughs) when when he gets up to the podium he sort of uh, he goes and he like at first he tries to like wipe hit wipe the chalkboard and then he That's goes a and Horrible sound. He, yeah it's like <laughs> Eat! and he, he and he goes and he try he finds something like cloth or something <laughs> sitting around and he finally wipes it off and he says let us begin and he goes to the book and he starts like reading from it and then he every once in a while he you know he, he'll read a couple sentences goes and he writes a note on the board with the chalk that was there and then he keeps going and then, you, and then you leave like listening now <laughs> yeah they stood up at attention and everything when he you know because before they stood up at attention when Imran was there but then they kind of you know followed her with their with their eyes kind of right but now when he went up there they suddenly snapped to to him or it, i guess <laughs> he said his name was gaston so
2: what have we done
1: We'll have Gaston the cleric as our ally in the
3: future, no worries. (laughs) No no one teaches great like Gaston gives great speeches like Gaston. (laughs) Sing along.
0: (laughs) What have we done? (laughs) No regrets. (laughs) Uh, As you you go to leave, uh, he says, um, if you'd like after the lecture, we can have a game of cards. What? After I'm done lecturing. You you can only lecture a certain amount per day, you know. Uh, well, honestly, that's just for people who need
1: to sleep and eat. I don't think you need to sleep and eat. You keep lecturing
0: until you're done. Oh. I hadn't <laughs> really thought of that.
4: <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Are you sure you won't stay?
1: Oh, we do need to sleep and eat, and we do have some other things we have to, you know, homework.
0: Very well. We'll All check right. up on you later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, eg- you moving exit moving the, northern, the yeah, northern, door. northern door. There is a passageway directly in front of you that leads to the north, and then there's a passageway to the east and the west.
1: And we have to keep going north. We go north past was it past the doors?
0: There was like entrances to either side. Uh, north past the door is just another room. I mean, if if you go if you go north, they go down the passageway. Remember, each passageway is like has display cases on the sides and all that kind of stuff. Everything is everything in here is packed. There's no real empty hallway or anything. And then. Uh, you go into the room to the north, and it's just stacks and stacks of books and, you know, bookcases mm-hmm. and all that. And then to the left is the door that said Map Gallery. Okay. So we'll, we'll go to the Map Gallery. Um, everybody roll a perception check.
2: Seven.
3: <laughs> Four. Thirteen. I <laughs> have advantage on this. Uh, okay, so 22. That's
0: better. Um... As you get to the door that says Map Gallery, you realize Makodem is not with you.
1: Oh, no. Did he stay behind in the auditorium?
0: That he did.
1: All right. Well, you guys can stay here, I guess. Marcel and I can go grab our friend and maybe convince him to not be a cleric. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you convince him not to be a cleric? I mean, I guess he can be a cleric.
2: I think he needs but... a change in his life.
1: <laughs> I
4: mean, I, we should the ask him if he wants
1: is, to be a cleric. Yeah, that you, book is really persuasive. Do you
0: want him to yeah. come with you or to stay in that room? That's the only question. Who? Makota. You're, you're either going to have to go back and get him out of the auditorium or <laughs> oh. you can just leave him there. That's the only, you know. Yeah. Um... Wait, we
1: leave these two at the, the maps. Um, what are we writing in the Book of Proofs? Because we said we were going to leave the Book of Proofs open Yeah, in the um, map section.
0: Well, you're not in the map room no. yet, so...
1: Oh, we noticed oh, okay.
0: him missing before getting yeah. to the map room? Yeah. Okay. You're standing, uh, you're basically at the door that says Map Gallery. You have not entered it yet. And that's when Konos realized, crap, we- Makodam didn't follow us down the hall. Do we
1: need him? Do we care that he's listening to that? Not particularly. I okay. Let me go. I'm gonna run back and just ask him if he wants to come with us or if he wants to stay, and he can make the decision. Sound fair? Sure. All right. So I'm just gonna run back. Okay. Uh, and ask Makota, like, "Hey, you coming with us? We're kind of going, but if you want to stay here, you can stay here."
4: Um,
0: when you walk in the room, you see uh-huh. that the skeleton that's up giving the lecture actually is not a skeleton anymore. He's starting to get, like, flesh parts. <laughs> Sam. Sam. So he's
4: got, like,
0: blood vessels filling in, and nerves filling in.
1: Do, do, oh god, that's gross. Um, <laughs> do the rest of
0: the skeletons look like that They're too? all still yeah. in cases as skeletons. They're still standing at attention, but they have not changed into anything. Makotam leans over and says, This is fascinating. <laughs> oh my god. I. Oh my god, why?
1: I'm going to cast sending. I'm going to send a message to uh, Konos. Konos, we have maybe a problem? I don't really know. You, sh- you guys should just come back to the auditorium for a hot second.
3: Okay, <laughs> I. We'll tell everybody else, uh, guys, Imran, sounds like everyone has got a situation, she wants us back there. Start heading, heading back to the auditorium.
0: Yeah, we all head back. All right. Um, you get into the room, and you see that this Gaston is up in the front, and he is no longer simply a skeleton. He is starting to invest with some blood vessels and nerves, and they're growing ever so slowly.
1: That is horrifying. That is a nightmare for me. <laughs> I look disappointed. I was expecting a, a skeleton cleric, not a, f- a flesh and blood cleric.
2: <laughs> but the real question is, what kind of cleric will he be? What will he be? His new allegiance and motivation. He will. He's going to have to swear allegiance to a deity.
1: Straven, which isn't terrible, but like Straben or Goras, isn't it? One or the other. Straven. It's only straven for you because you were already a cleric of Goras. So. Oh, that's, might be true.
3: Right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I would have I gotten know. a choice.
1: Yeah. It'd be more interesting if they became a cleric of Goras, to be fair. I mean, I'm at a loss here, y'all. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt the lecture for a hot
0: second. I'm gonna go up to Gastone. Um, he says, yes, pupil. Do you have a question? A
1: little unrelated, but did you know reading this book was going to have this effect on... And I just gesture.
0: He kind of looks down and says, oh, look at that. I'm growing new. Hm. Okay, so that's a no. the Ted,
1: like living when he started reading this book
0: or was he a skeleton he was an old man was he an old man by the time he was done reading it well he never finished his lecture he only did three lectures okay so you didn't notice any change when he started reading well i came alive okay well that's true but do you have a question about the material i'm in the middle of a lecture I mean,
1: not at the current moment, I apologize, but...
0: You'll have to come see me in my office hours, then. (laughs) Okay, when are your office hours? Well, it's probably going to take four or five more hours to get through this book, so probably after that. You can see me after class. I feel like that's fair,
1: honestly. (laughs) I kind of just want to see what happens at this point. And then by the time we finish our
0: stuff, we'll come back and
1: maybe have a conversation with...
0: A flesh and blood person. <laughs> well, my office is in the chapel. I will see you then. Okay. okay. Hey, uh, Gaston. Yes. A question and in the back.
1: Have you considered putting on robes before <laughs> the rest of your fleshy bits come back? Well, I'm oh, not oh. sure where they are.
2: <laughs> you broke, Nina. <laughs> just, just imagine the rest of the audience doesn't have any clothes on. You'll be fine. <laughs>
1: This entire session has broken me
0: down. (laughs) I feel like we do that often. (laughs) I mean, it's... Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps I should find something. I'll do it at the end of this lecture. I hand of my
1: cloak for the time being. (laughs) Okay. I take socks out of the hood.
0: (laughs) Um... Socks, like, jumps out of your hands. Oh, good. And jumps on to Gaston.
1: Why do you like the skeleton guy? Well, <laughs> oh, because he's gonna be a cleric of chorus, obviously. All right? Socks, keep watch. Kind of does that,
0: <laughs> you know, the kneading thing that
4: <clears throat>
0: all the animals do. And then it jumps back over to you. Oh, Okay.
1: He's just letting you know, like Gaston's a good guy. I guess. Well, (laughs) or at least not a bad.
4: (laughs) Cross your fingers.
1: (laughs) Do you think if I use Turn Undead after he's like completely come back, he would still be considered an undead, or is he gonna be like fully alive? I don't know. Uh, The conjecture. Let's keep moving. We've got so much to do, and we've gotten like <laughs> at your level, you have to be kind of careful with that because if he's too low well level, it just destroy <laughs> him.
3: <laughs> <I'm> left. <laughs> yeah. I want to see
1: if you run away, turn him dead. <laughs>
4: Oops! 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 A little too much there.
0: Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, head back to the map room here.
0: So, do you want to you want to take Makotem with you, or do you want Makotem to watch oh. the lecture?
1: I mean, do we need Makodum? We don't really need the Makodom. He can watch the lecture. Yeah, and, I like, if anything happens, it might be a good idea. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. If anything happens, I can message him, too. If we need a backup cleric.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just on the backup cleric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, God. So, you go make your way out to the map gallery room, and I'm assuming you go through the door? Yeah. Okay, so, um, here's what you see in the room. There are. I'm scared. The room is about 60 by 40, so it's a relatively large room. It has two enormous wooden tables in the middle of the room, and they're surrounded by several wooden chairs. And there are five framed maps on the walls. One of them is a large region without borders, consisting of a very dense jungle woodland. Several areas on the map are labeled with the word gate or with some odd kind of names with symbols. One area that has a large symbol next to it says Horned Court. Horned Court. Um, the next map is a dim drawing of a walled city with water and a bay to one side. And you recognize this map. It is a map of Darkport. The third one is a barren land with a humongous rift down the middle, a dry river, and a mountain range to the east. There's a large castle-like complex dominating the eastern side of the map. One is a map of multiple island chains on the edge of something that's labeled the Falls of Brimian. And the last one is an old map that shows Calport, And the region to the north, south, and west. On the table, on one of the tables, is a large map that has been unrolled and it has like, you know, paperweights at each corner so that it stays unrolled. And it is a map of the three main continents of the world before the sinking. And so what you can see is there are three main continents, sort of one on the left, one on the right, and then one sort of between them and southern, south to them. The one on the left is the continent that has Lake Calrot, which is where Calport is. And so um, you can see that below that lake is the Great Dam Forest. But if you're also paying attention, you can see that the southern the southeastern portion of the other continent actually has the seminary of Saint Abdar labeled there. Not in the Great Dam Forest.
1: Who told us that the seminary was in the Great Dam Forest? I
0: think we
1: just researched it, yeah, right?
0: In the books, that's what it said.
1: Hmm. And where on Lake Calra is
0: Calport? So is Cal- the little So do you see where it says Tremor? There's yeah. a little brown thing next to that. That's the town of Tremor. And sort of south and to the east of that, there is... So if you look at the lake, there is a, a town just above the mountains in the sort mm-hmm. of lower western portion of the lake.
1: And that is now that's, that's facing the water of the sea.
0: Right. So Lake Calrod is now sea. So <laughs> in other words the sinking didn't just sink the stuff. It must have broken these continents up
4: Mm -hmm.
0: because remember, these islands are moving apart from each other. That's what you discovered when you figured out the maps. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And so there's no way that there's so many islands. I mean, these granted these, this is not uh, to scale, right? That the scale is wrong. Obviously (laughs) these continents are humongous it's not true that just parts of them sank and the islands are parts that are actually together underwater, right? Like some something had to break some of these up. They're, they're moving apart from each other. Cool.
1: It There's- also makes little sense that like Calport that was by the lake is now level with the sea, but none of the mountains in the area are still visible as islands or anything. So it's like mountains that were higher up have disappeared despite the fact that this city did not sink, even though it was lower than the mountains it was by. Correct. Like there is some mountain behind. No, that's not even mountain. That's just forest. So it's like the pieces of the forest that was beside Cal- uh, Calport before towards Tremor, but then none of the
0: mountain ranges
1: survived.
0: You haven't really seen any, um, islands that are mostly just mountaintops. So the sinking did more than just flood it; it destroyed
1: everything, mm-hmm. but a few places. It seems so. Why did Calport survive? The other the this what is it, the starter village. This the where we came <laughs> from.
0: Um, Trastonfin <laughs>
1: fenn like a 50 year old city or was that also a surviving from before the uh, the sinking
0: so Traston and Finn on this map that you're looking at would be to the west of this uh rightmost so this rightmost continent is named Chuviel. that's what it says in yellow up there that's the name of the continent off of the western coast of that continent is a small chain of islands and that's where trast and finn actually was so um, trast and finn actually was part of an island or peninsula at some point anyway but the city itself was it 50 years
1: old or was this a
0: oh no it existed before yeah.
1: okay so like the buildings in trast and were older than 50 years old right. or at least some of them
4: okay yeah, some of them.
1: so trast and finn survived whatever cataclysm happened Calport survived, mm-hmm. and right. we know that there's a couple of others because there are, there's been
0: uh, mm-hmm. travel between different cities. Right?
3: Did you say Traston Finn was to, on those islands to the west of this continent of Trivial.
0: To the west. So so this continent, you see, Lake Calrot has all of these rivers coming out uh, that go towards the west. The lower one, or the second, not the one that goes into the forest, but the lower one that goes out to the coast. There's a town right there. That town is Templefast. And remember, oh. Tem- Temple Fast yeah. is where the the I'm island right. below Trast and Fend, where Taruma used to go to get ancient treasures. Um I'm confused because you're saying west, but that's east. East of the island, but on the western side of Chuviel. I mean, sorry. E- yeah, you're right. It's east. I keep saying okay. it, sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at. I'm <laughs> yeah, thinking so it's upside like, down.
3: We, so. we yes. sail somehow around the world, and yeah, that's yeah. that's where. No, I think no, it is. no, no, no. Sorry, to yeah, the no, eastern like side, If yes.
4: You're
1: talking about west, that's Garamore, and that's no, no, no. that's yeah, to the yeah, to west. To the
0: east, sorry. Yes, to the
1: east. Okay. So basically to the the eastern side of the map that doesn't is not shown on this map. Right. Okay.
4: Hmm.
3: You said this is the map that's sitting out laying out on the table?
0: Yes. Hmm.
3: This uh is it is this like a really huge map, or could I like roll this up and take it with us? It's probably
0: three feet by four feet, so I mean, it's not that huge. You could roll it up and take it with yeah.
3: you. I will be. I would like to do so when we're okay. done here. I mean, I mean but aren't we just gonna fold like it like sit in half and it
1: down it. here, take our map, uh, and try to plot where the seminary is? Uh, <laughs> thing is, if, if if the the thing where there is no way to get to the seminary of St. After, Without sailing if it took us what 2 months to get from from Trassenfen to Calport then it would take us something like 4 months from Calport to St Abdar assuming it
0: survived the sinking
3: is there like a date on this map that indicates when it was was made
0: it says yes let me let me look up when that map was made
1: I also find it interesting that this map shows that there's a whirlpool somewhere to the south of Polina.
0: Mm, Yeah, it shows what? Wait, what? (laughs) 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 Which one? Oh, yes, yeah. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? What's going on? Okay, Um, this. I I kind of assumed that was actually part of the map and not just the decoration. It it is part of the map, yeah. Um, because of Chekhov's gun. This map was drawn uh, right at the end of the War of Evisceration. Which means compared to you in terms of your
3: lifetime... Just a few hundred years ago, isn't it?
0: Um, yeah, so we're talking probably 500, 500 years old. That's how old that map is.
3: I still wants to take it, because what the You know, but the company of the Eastern Sun—they love getting their hands on maps like on stuff like this, even if it's really old or
4: something.
1: We should probably see if there's any newer maps. See what the newest map that the the library has. I I wouldn't be shocked if the newest map they have is 51 years old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it might still be a bit more accurate or whatever than this one. Also, I don't. I don't think you can take things from the library. You'd have to make a copy.
3: Oh, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did say something about that, didn't they?
0: There is a set of rules.
3: That's right, yeah. uh, I've got it somewhere. So
1: you'd have to make a copy. But yeah, I would suggest looking to see if this is their newest map. Mm-hmm. And because maps this big tend to be very inaccurate, maybe finding some maps of the Seminary of St. Abder and maybe of the area around Calport that are more like, kind of like that one. And I point to the map of Calport. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, let's let's take that and compare the, t- compare the one on the table to the one up there.
1: Because then we have to compare this map to our map of the known world now and try to figure things out. But I, I feel a growing sense of despair of, of, of linking those two together, considering mountains don't seem to align.
0: You can. So also in the room is, um, there are, there's a couple of like, um, file cabinet style, um, containers but they're they're really large and you slide out these really thin drawers and each of the thin drawers has a couple of maps in it right so you can have like a hundred or so maps in those more recent map it is labeled 10 years before sinking so you can take a look at that okay that is just the area you can see tree more on that map that's just basically, this is what's called the Calrot region. You can see the mountain range to the north. You can see the mountain range to the south. And if you compare that to what's on the big map, you can see that, that there is a mountain range to the north and a mountain range to the south of that region. And neither of those mountains exist now. There's not even islands in that area. So on your island that you're on right now, there are steep hills south of Calport. Because remember, that's where supposedly the dragon is. Right. And so, you know, it's not like an enormous mountain range, but it, it does get steep and it's hard to tell. And then exactly there's, how there's it like mountainy,
1: there's a mountain area to the very south of our map of this, our, like
0: our known current map. Oh, the current map of the region that you have that you got from the Company of the Eastern Sun. Yeah, there's
1: there's like mountainous region yeah. to the south, and mm-hmm. then there's like a desert. Is that just desert? It's not mountain. It's not like hills, right?
0: Which one? The, the little island of Almost yellow, like an upside down T. That is yeah. that is hills. That's hills, hills. Okay. and um like is know, that a like-
1: city a tower? I can't tell. It
0: looks like a gate. <laughs> I mean, it's it's labeled – that's the, what the eastern sun labeled it as, right? I mean, if we go by the
1: 500-year-old map, I would say Kyanse had mountains and desert regions, so that might be the remains of that
0: continent. Yeah, so this, this – so here's what it looks like. So um, if you're looking at Calport, that island to the south – that has the, the double red lines. That's a town, that little green island, right? When you go south of that, you get the hilly island that looks like an upside down T. Yeah. That's sort of a gate symbol. It has like a, it has like a portcullis symbol on it. And then south of that are some mountains and um some reefs. And then over to the east from there is where you see the two whirlpools. And there is a mountainy region there with some hills and then some snowy hills, right? Some icy hills with a tower on it on this image. So half of this Cowport Island is foresty, right? And half of its plains. And to the to the right of it, to the east, is this sort of plains with a ruined, apparently ruined town on it. Right? So so there are some towns on these islands around here that you didn't happen to stop at.
1: Do we know the names of those towns on our map? On our current map?
0: No, you never asked anyone.
1: So we only know that there are towns there, but we don't know if,
0: which ones they are. Right. That would have been useful, but we didn't really think of that. Well, uh, you were to be fair, you were trying to get to Calport because yeah, you, know, you were. You know, you had a fleet with you. <laughs> That's fair.
4: Um,
1: well, there is one group of people we could ask. Doesn't the company of the Eastern Sun have people here? This, also didn't yeah, you have like papers like things mail. to hand them? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, they have they have an office here and once once they have some time I'm gonna be stopping by there.
1: We might want to stop by there and get their version of a current map. Yeah. That might help us triangulate things with the old map as well. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what do do we do? We want to try triangulating our map to this one, to the maps in here, or do we want to wait until we get Eastern Sun stuff and go check out the rest of the books by Batet
3: first? I mean, the one I think the most recent one is still going to be somewhat useful.
1: Yeah, possibly. Thing is, I well, I don't know where we're going to have to go, but if anything. I'm not looking forward to traveling again. I don't think our people are looking forward to traveling again, especially if we don't have anything to pay them with. Um, no. But maybe we should go check out the stuff by Batet, see if we can find any more clues there.
3: Okay. For the.
0: Did we write anything in the book of proofs? Are we doing that? Oh, I assumed you did that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was gonna you, say, you yeah. did that before um, you actually stopped to look at the maps. So let's actually get that sentence. What sentence you wrote.
1: Um are we all good with my question that I proposed, yeah. Or statement. Yeah, go for
0: there's,
1: it. Is that what there's we do? a
3: way do? to remove the curse.
0: Yeah, what's the statement?
1: Um there is a way to remove the affliction plaguing Lucanius.
2: Maybe um, leaving him alive and healthy at the end?
1: Yes. Good idea. I, yeah, yeah, that's probably
0: probably smart. That's a good one. Okay, so, there is a way to remove the affliction plaguing Lucanius that leaves him alive and healthy. That's the statement that you're writing?
1: Yeah.
0: Alright, let's go read some fictional history.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let's... In, I'll check it, like, after- I'm assuming I wrote this and then we kind of had a discussion. Yep. And then I'll check it before we leave to see if it gave, like, a quick no- because there is a possibility that it is just straight no.
0: It's calculating. It's like okay. scribbling stuff. It has not come up with an answer yet.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll go look for batet stuff. I guess.
3: Okay. Uh, that's in the stacks. To stacks.
1: Do we wanna Which do snacks? we wanna ask for help from Tavros to to find yes. the? Yeah,
3: that's so we a good idea.
0: So we don't get lost.
4: That's a good idea.
0: Fictional Histories in Stax J.
1: Yeah. Because I don't think we know where Stax J is. Are we all going? Or is Konos and Axley staying
2: in the map room and just... Is there more map research to do? Or do we find what we're looking for?
3: I think I found the thing that I'm most interested in. Some of these other things I'm curious about. Like, you know, the one at Darkport could be useful if we ever have to go back there. Falls of Remian I'm kind of curious about.
1: Because we do have to leave the book open. I mean, we yeah, carry so it we open, could we could stay there and check out more, like yeah. learn more about the maps that are there while Axley, uh, looks for, does the whole proofs thing.
3: Okay. We want to, if we want to split, then sure.
1: Okay. So we'll leave Axley and Konos looking up things in the map room and Emran and I will look for Stacks J. Okay. Are you calling Tavros? Yeah. Once we leave the map room, I'm gonna be like, Tavros, can you help <laughs> us get this text, Jay? Or or even more specifically, if we want to go read Bentet's
0: work. Roll a... Okay, so Tavros smokes in. A little plume of smoke sort of appears and coalesces into his form. And he says, What do you need? I want to read the books by Batet. Which ones?
1: The ones that are 51 years old. There are several
0: locations. Okay. Which ones are they? Do you want me to lead you there in order?
4: Mm.
1: Do In order of, like, what?
0: Closest to farthest away.
1: Oh, as in, like, location is closest? Yes. Okay. Oh, good, Emeryn. Does it matter? I don't think so. Might as well start with the closest. As we're talking, I'm going to run a quick
0: detect magic.
1: <laughs> Just for the hell of it.
0: Well, so the problem is pretty much everything around you is magical. <laughs> Headache. <laughs> um, so are you specifically going to like focus on Tavros? Okay. Enchantment.
1: Okay. So let's go to the closest, and would it be possible to ask you to bring the other books to us while we are going through the first area?
0: I am unable to bring one of the tomes to you. It is in a oh, location really? from which the book cannot be removed.
1: Let's start with that one.
0: <laughs> that one is the farthest away.
1: Of course, of course it is. It is. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Fine. What location is that book in?
0: It is in the far reaches near the infernal gateway. Of course, it is. I <laughs> <laughs> see <laughs> Nina's face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was that like his last book?
0: Last in terms of
1: written last. No. What was his the last, last book?
0: thing he wrote? Was the scribble. That I gave you. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to stick my head back in the map room and tell them where we're going.
0: That's that's past the maze, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh. That's so far. If you oh. move at your regular speed, I estimate that it will take us six hours to reach the inferno.
4: Oh, gateway. God, that's
3: Oh, Yo, boy. <laughs> now, yeah, that I would want to... <laughs> Then I would want to go with y'all to.
1: Yeah, that's a whole party. <laughs> I think is that that's that's the, that's the only one, one you bad can't bad. bring to us? Correct. Okay. How many books did he write 51 years ago? Four. Can
0: and you say what the
2: titles
1: are?
0: Wait, wait, one at a time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we've seen two of them. One is the, the poem book. Yes. One is the book about Shamasahasi and all the demon stuff. Yes. When is the book you can't move?
2: Yes. And What's its title? It is untitled.
1: Of course it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's a fourth, or is there a fourth and a fifth
0: after that? There is a fourth. What's the fourth? It's in stacks J over there. All right, let's go see that one. What, what's yeah. its title? He's sort of—you could see him sort of looking, like, uh, like he his head, like you can't really see his face, remember, because he's wearing like this this cloak that has a cowl that hangs way down but you could see his head's kind of tilting and he's looking for the information somehow it seems like that's what he's doing and he says it is named to the rift and the final dirge
1: yeah it sounds great let's go with
0: that one.
3: <laughs> i think that's the one we want
0: <laughs> fiction my ass
3: <laughs> also tavros you said there's a infernal gateway does that teleport to somewhere like the is there a gate or a rift there,
2: far reaches? Yes. Okay. Is the library spread out, spread out geographically beyond the geography of Calport itself?
1: No, it's all contained within the city. Ooh, underground. Okay. Well, let's go read this book about yeah. Might as well.
0: Some parts of the library do possibly reach into other places.
1: When you say other places, do you mean other, like, rain?
0: I believe Makotum told you there is a transportation ring in the maze. There are it others. Is. Therefore, I cannot say where the transportations might take you, so therefore the library reaches into other places, possibly, if activated.
1: Right, but that's not part of the library, it just leads to somewhere else.
0: Well, it depends on your arcane... Theory.
1: Yeah, I'm not too good on arcane theory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, lead on to to XJ then.
0: You know, it, it's it's sort of one of those. Um, if you're taking a road and it goes through a forest, part of the road enters the forest and it's a road, and then part of the road leaves the forest. It's still that same road, right? So you're still on the road. So he's treating the starting position of a transportation portal in the ending position of a transportation portal as being kind of connected, which would mean that the end of any of those wherever you went is technically also in the library, in a way of thinking.
1: Even though the rest, like, it leads somewhere that doesn't?
0: Right. So as soon as you step out of the ring, if you go to someplace else, then you're in that other place. You're no longer in the library. But technically speaking...
1: the teleportation circle itself is still part of the library.
0: Right. Okay. So actually... In your notes that you have, how much of the written material have you transcribed?
2: I don't know, like, what what percentage I've gotten through.
0: Because I think you spent a lot of time, like, during the storm, when you were waiting for the storm to pass, when you guys mm-hmm. were in the Haka village. And then then you traveled, and it took several yeah. days to get to the Calport area, right?
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: I don't think you have very much time before you get to the end and then have to kind of make it all make sense. Okay. Is I guess what I'm saying. Uh Uh-huh. Because you're basically going through and you're taking pieces of it and you're trying to turn it into phrases and, and wording that makes sense for what you know. And some things you just can't make make sense. And some things you can. And so as you go through, the more and more that you make sense of the later parts you can kind of go back and see if that helps you figure out the earlier parts in a way if that makes sense remember we're talking about you know what was it 24 pages or something Mm -hmm. worth of transcribed symbology and i need you to make uh, a, a an intelligence saving throw
2: okay 17 and is do i add anything to that
0: whatever your are saving throw up at the top of the sheet, there should be a, should say saving throw. You'll add your modifier. And if you're proficient in that save, you'll add your oh,
2: saving throw intelligence. I have no, no addition. Okay.
0: Um, so 17 though. Okay.
2: But yeah, I think I get one. I get a plus one for the sword, right? The sword gives a plus yes. one bonus on all saves. So 18.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, well, does it do that or do you have to attune to it to get that?
2: True. Yeah. Yes.
0: Okay. Um. So you're you're you finish transcribing all of the notes, and you think that you know what you have to do to reverse the sinking, and so it depends on whether you want to sit everybody down now or let them kind of separate and go still look at stuff.
2: Well, I mean, we're kind of in the middle of going to find things, right? So mm-hmm. we might as well. Finish that. Get okay. as much information as possible. So it's contextual.
4: Okay.
0: Okay. So um, so then we'll switch over to Tavros with Imran and Marcel. And Tavros takes you just a couple of rooms over to the east. You go out of the map gallery and you're standing in the room that's basically um, stacks C which is the room above that northern main hall area. And then you go through a door to the east again, and there's a small hallway with display cases. And then there's another room there that's Stax D. And Stax D is very similar to the room next to the entryway room that you came in with. In other words, it has a couple of rooms. It has a couple of doorways off of it, but it also has some archways. And beyond those archways, you can see books and Tavros leads you into one of the archways, and there is a sort of mini-maze of bookcases and shelves and whatnot. Uh, and he leads you to a shelf that lists the living works of Batet of Calport, and it's six shelves full of books. And... When you look at these books, you notice that, um, Batet is sort of a, when you look at these books, you can, you can tell just flipping through them, the way that everything is structured, that Batet of Cowport is sort of like a mix between Homer and Ovid and Virgil and Herodotus. And so, you know, Homer Homer and Ovid – well, so Homer is writing these extended works that give you a mythological history based on the oral traditions of a people. So half of what Batet has written is like that. And there's also a mixture of Ovid and Virgil, who were purportedly writing historically accurate things, but they're so ancient – and, of course, their patrons were whoever was in control of that at that time, whether it was a king or an emperor, right? And so, of course, they're going to write things that make it so that that person is exalted and everything. So ha- how true is it? Well, that's up for debate, which is why all of this is in the fictional history, right? Um, and then Herodotus, of course, was supposedly writing – Nonfiction, but of course he was writing historical treatises based on his own perception and his own biases when he was looking at, you know, other cultures and whatnot. So once again, that's why this is in fictional history. Cause at at some point along the way, Batet went from writing purely poetic works that were current of the time right? What you would call contemporary poetry of his lifetime and his generation. And he started writing fictional works that were histories and that he would purport that they were histories, but it's more like ancient writings that are biased in some way. And so they're really not as accurate as, but to the people that they describe, it exalts them. So it makes it seem like you know, they, they want to tout it as a true, it's a true historical work, right? So in other words, let me put it this way, to, to bring this into, to connect to what you're doing now. Calport was a major power on the entire continent and it had noble families and royal lines, just like any other sort of pseudo medieval feudal kind of place, empire kind of place. And Batet, was writing because those families, those rich families and those noble lines were his patrons. And so the things he was writing would always be preferential to them and would always hold them up and not um, highlight their failures, but highlight their successes instead. So that's Batet the poet, right? He's writing things that are... True from a certain point of view, and that always will uh, put the patron on a pedestal and not highlight any failures or flaws that person or that family line might have. He has on these six bookshelves several um, historical documentations of various different noble families in Calport, including... Bolam and Dalencia.
1: All right. I <laughs> definitely make a note of those. Oh dear. Um what is is his latest work? I'm asking Tavros. Is his latest work the one that you can't get? Like the very last one that he wrote?
0: No, the very last written? the very last one was the book I gave to Marcel. Okay. Oh, that's right that yeah, was sorry. the what was it the histories of the conquered people yeah, the collective yeah, okay. wisdom of the conquered peoples that's not that book wasn't the last thing he wrote. Mm-hmm. the thing on the front cover the thing on yeah. the inside of the front cover was the last thing,
1: yeah, okay uh, yeah I'm I definitely want to pull out anything that mentions uh Bolam and Dolencia
0: okay and then well, there's a lot there's a lot um with Bolam, remember because it's a
4: Oh yeah, family
0: name, right? The oldest one that mentions the names, okay. And Delencia, same with Delencia. So, uh, the earliest mention of Bolam is in a book that is titled "Letters of Delencia and Ian Tarsus," analyzing kingdoms and harvests. Letters of Delincia and Ian Tarsus analyzing kingdoms and harvests. That has the earliest mention of Bolam as part of the family line of Delincia. Okay. And this book is uh, apparently just a, a representation of um, – it's almost like um, – Plato's Dialogues, right, where it's one person writing it and it's written as this person said this and then this person said this and then this person said that. Like, they're debating back and forth about the various different things that affect the whole region with respect to um, harvesting and and land ownership because of the need to um, basically name a royal and become a kingdom rather than a sort of set of loose city states, basically. It's the idea there. Okay. And the, the question was, um, do you, you know, who, who do you name as, as a, as the first king, so to speak, basically is really yeah. what they were debating, right? And the inter- the reason that's interesting is because, you know, Ian Tarsus was a dwarf. He didn't give right. care about the, s- probably didn't give a care about the humans and whether they form a kingdom, except that he probably lived, his clan probably lived in some of those mountains. Because you could see as you go through this book that he was geographically close enough that it matters to him if the humans go to war. Yeah, And it appears, um, you know, as you sort of, I mean, it depends on how much time you want to spend doing this, but even just flipping through, you know, these letters are not... Um, aggressive. They're not uh, I mean of course it's a representation written by Batet, right So who knows but the it's more um, friendly respectful debate about the right way to go about things. A lot to process. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. And then I guess we can move on to the rift in the final dirge. Well, I was looking at the yeah the the other book that yeah. we came for the final dirge. Yes.
0: The, rift and the final dirge. the the rift and the final dirge is um a book that if you were to open it up and just read from page one it reads very much like a um like the book of revelations where mm-hmm. it says okay well if disaster is gonna happen here are the things that's that set it up here here's how you know it's happening here's you know, the four horsemen have to show up and then there's going to be a great ball of fire in the sky and then there's going to be a plague of locusts and then there's, right, so it's that sort of thing except it's describing things in the Calport region and one of them happens to be a flood. Great. Great.
1: So is only the, well, okay, so is the flood like the first thing that's supposed to happen? Is it, is there more after the flood
0: well, it depends so once again, how how far do you write? It's not like a three page book. Well it's like you I'm know. not
1: interested in yeah. any of the other books. So while mm-hmm. Emran is looking at okay. the rest of his collection, mm-hmm.
0: I'm just taking that book and studying it. <laughs> okay. Um so here's the here's what has to happen uh, for the rift and the final dirge to happen, okay? Um, okay? There has to be someone that shows up that takes over and rules very well okay the ruler that rules very well right but of course they get corrupted right but nobody knows they're being corrupted okay so that's the second step then some natural disasters have to occur big storms earthquakes a volcano probably erupts uh meteor showers um it plunges the area into 20 days of darkness that's the second that's the second thing that happens right so uh natural disasters and 20 days of darkness and when the 20 days of darkness are lifted that's when people start noticing that some of the lower lying places on the continent are being covered with water and turning into ruins. So you have this sort of slow rising of water just at the very beginning that ruins all the coastal towns, right? So coastal ruin is the third thing that has to happen. Okay. Then someone is going to show up and they're going to say, I can save you all because I recognize these three issues, right? So basically, the Messiah is going to show up, right? And say, I see this. This is the beginning of the end. I know how to save us. Okay? But nobody listens to this person. Okay? So the Savior arrives and is ignored. Or something Something happens that makes people not trust this person, right? Then the rift occurs. Okay? So then you open the rift. Then the flood, which we call the sinking.
1: So the flood is the last
0: thing mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah.
1: And there's nothing else after
0: that. Nope. Mm. But remember what, um, so if you go back to the book that Tavros gave you earlier, the last thing that, so this book that you were just looking at is called the rift and the final dirge, right? The book that Tavros gave you, right? Has the dirge of the adrum houses written on it. And this is what Tavros said the last thing that Batet wrote is. And it says, One will rise in a shroud of white to canonize and crystallize, bringing legions of spite. Among the debris in stone and blood find they a key to release the flood. The messenger they call under stone and ore brings they who crawl to the Chained One's behest. The end sees the shroud upon a gate unseen. The chained eye avowed to wash the world clean. So, Mm. Marcel, do you want to make me an intelligence check? Six. (laughs) A six? (laughs) Wow. Um, Okay. I mean, knowing that Batet wrote both of these, you you feel like there should be a connection, but it's just mentally escaping me right now. I mean, you have all been in this library for a very long time
1: god yes everything is looping um yeah. for quite literally i mean yeah I, I mean the only reason we think the ted is not lara is because the writing doesn't match what writing the writing Wait, in mean, the book of the where the dirge of the Adrum houses is, at doesn't, least
0: doesn't match what what are you comparing
1: the Purple handwriting is different than the handwriting that says "Dirge of the Adram Houses." That's right, and we know that "Dirge of the Adram Houses" was written by Batet. Yes. Therefore, whoever wrote the thing in purple is not Batet. That's the conclusion we had come to the last session, and we had surmised that the purple handwriting was Larillac. Therefore, they are two different people. Uh-huh. Could Cornelius Adram been the savior? He's the last of his name, it's called Dirge of the Adrum Houses, and he's supposedly become undead revenant because he's got to do something. I it's possible. The, the whole messiah thing is very reminiscent of, like, Straben. Because everybody was like, Straben is, was not a prevalent deity, he wasn't worshipped a lot, and that's why... A lot of people think the flooding happened was because nobody listened to Straben. Now, was Straben the messiah? I doubt it, but it's very reminiscent of that.
3: They're more interested in their own gods around here, it seems, I recall. Like when we were talking with uh, the High Court and whatnot.
1: Yeah, well, now they're all over Straben because they think he's the one that brought the flooding because he was mad. But beforehand, I don't think he was... Hardly ever mentioned anywhere. He was very low on the totem pole of gods. Well, let's take this back to the map room yeah. and share our findings. See if I Ashley... feel like we need to get out of this library for a while. And like <laughs> have we have area. things we need to talk to yeah. Ashley and uh, see what Ashley and Konos have figured out. Yeah, we have to check on Gaston. <laughs> 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 yeah. <we're gonna laughs> <throw up. laughs> been a couple hours now. Um, yeah. See how he's doing, if he's found some clothes, if we need to look the other way when we find him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe we want to make sure it hasn't been like 50 years outside. Yeah.
4: Probably. We're
1: just, we're just going to leave the library, and the dragon's going to be right there torching everything around us. <laughs> I'm going to send a quick message to Waxley. Okay. Ooh, No. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, just checking in. We've been in the library forever, I know. I'm sorry. Um, how are things out there?
0: Out where? I'm in the library, too.
1: Oh, my God! Oh,
0: Oh, crap. You told me to watch over your mom.
1: Oh, no! Oh. Wait,
0: we're
1: getting out of this library. It's... The Village
4: all over it? again.
0: <laughs> when is your mom here? I don't know. She said she had something to get in here. Great. Okay.
1: Um Let's hurry back to the others. I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> you always have a bad feeling. I am paranoid. Don't blame me. You're, you're the one that loosed the skeleton in the auditorium. I think that's the least of our problems.
0: At this point, I guess it really is. Uh, are you gonna say anything else to Blacksley?
1: You'd have to use another sending, though.
0: No. Oh, not yet. I'm gonna wait
1: till we get to the others because I want them with me when I go track this guy down. Okay. So I'm power walking back to everybody. <laughs> Like Mart- I'm picking Marcel up.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> By the way. Hey.
4: <laughs>
1: the legs are too small. I so. I know. I wanna know what actually found out. <laughs> I wanna keep going. Yes. <laughs> Like really badly.
3: Beaten. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've just been looking at, at maps when I could have been researching, you know, the history of my my oh, yeah, I you know, know. Like trident I, and like, oh, why, I'm kicking myself for not thinking of that. But uh, I'd, yeah. I'd be curious to at least hear, you know, what actually has found. Me okay. too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so here's basically what actually has determined based on everything that. You've learned, and what it says in the Book of Proofs, you can't stop the Flood until you make it so that wherever the water is going to go can still hold that water. So it's as if the Blue Plateau kind of sprung a leak, right? And you know those things are rifts, but the equations don't really... Treat it like a rift the way that you treat a rift as kind of like a teleportation portal thing. That's not really how... That's part of what took him so long to, to figure out what this is all saying, because it doesn't really treat it that way. It's more treating it as a, a flaw in the plateau that doesn't allow it to operate in its typical way. Which is different from saying, oh, there's a portal there that things are going through, right? And those things are water that letting this other plateau. The way to make that happen is you have to go find the gap, right? Where the, where the, where the flaw is. And you have to fix that flaw. But then after you fix the flaw, you have to make sure that then you can find another way, another pathway to get the water back into the plateau because if the water left the plateau through that flaw but you plug the flaw now you have a problem so the way to do that is by using an infernal gate which means that you have to go to the well of capitalis and fix the well because the the flaw is in the well And once you've fixed the flaw, that's going to solve part of the problem. Then you have to open up a passageway in an infernal gate. And then, and here's where the problem is, you have to convince the powers that be on the other side of that infernal gate to let the material from the Blue Plateau travel through there to get back to the Blue Plateau. And the way that the equation says it is that you either have to bargain for the rights or you have to steal the rights to let all of that blue plateau material have passage through the infernal gate. Uh It actually does not go so far as to tell you what the cost of the bargaining has to be or what the, how, how to, how to steal that. But it does say that it is possible. But the way that it's written indicates that you can't just reverse things, do a true reversal and push the water from the Common Plateau back through what you've been calling the Rift into the Blue Plateau. And the reason you can't do that is because it's not just the Blue Plateau that's affected, it is the Soul Spire and the Threefold Lake. In other words, you could actually force the water from the Blue Plateau back, but it would completely mess up the Soul Spire and the Threefold Lake. So that would be the wrong way to accomplish what you wanted to do. But there's a lot missing from the explanation because some of the symbology and the terminology just is completely foreign and makes no sense and actually just can't, you know, it's... It's like transcribing, you know, linear algebra into English or something, right? It's really, some of it just doesn't make sense.
3: <laughs> a
1: to-do list, at least.
3: <laughs> That's a big to-do
2: list, yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> a bit more complicated than your average cookbook I, recipe.
2: I was just hoping for throw the lever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is, um, well, so there is a second way to do it, and that is to... And this is, this is what it says. And you're not, you're not sure if it's really like everything that it says, but the way, the way to actually do the reversal also could be go back and prevent Cornelius from killing (laughs) Batet. What? But the book of proofs sort of, that's like almost the first thing it said, which was what was puzzling for a very long time because that doesn't make any sense. But, and then it moves on and basically says that's, Almost impossible. Like, mortals won't be able to do that part alone, right? Because the question you asked is can a mortal reverse, right? Yeah. And the first thing it says is well, it's reversible because you can just go back and stop Cornelius from killing Batet. But then, well, mortals can't really do that part alone. So here's the other way to do it. Does that mean Batet is the Messiah? I mean, I guess it would make
1: sense. He is the one that wrote all those things, and he was like, probably told everybody, hey, these first three things happened. And then the s- someone from a merchant house decided to kill him. Because the atrium houses were merchants, weren't they?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I could well. see how that could happen. If they were traitors and all the coastal cities went to shit as part of the warning signs. And for some reason, the Hells houses decided that it was all Bette's fault. Because he was like, I told you this would happen.
3: Well, if Blacksley is supposed to be Cornelius Adram. that's a question for him.
4: Uh, well, he doesn't, doesn't remember gonna anything. Remember.
1: <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to send another message to him really quickly. I told everybody what's happening. And I just told him, freeze where you are.
3: Ask and, him where he is.
1: Yeah, where are you? Just stop and let us come and help you. Because this place is
0: huge and
1: possibly dangerous.
0: He says, well, I'm in the ossuary because your mom is convinced that there's something there that she has to get to help us. But I got to tell you, I don't really like it in this place. Mm -hmm. We know
2: where that is. What is the the ossuary?
4: The, The
0: ossuary. Something to do with anatomical.
1: Where all the bones are. We know where that is.
0: You did not visit it yet we have someone who could lead us there.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, can we summon Tavros again?
0: <laughs>
1: He's going to hate us.
0: Well, so the question on the table is, do we want to end?
1: I was going to say, are we ending? Or do we <laughs> want to go to the Oscar? Yeah, I think that's okay, this a,
4: might be a stopping good,
1: point. Yeah, it yeah. might be a good stopping point, yeah. Like I said, the longer we stay here, the more questions yeah. we end up uh-huh. Yeah, so
2: like, am I so. the only one that thinks we cleared everything up? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh,
0: like, all right, we know what to do. Let's just get the hell out of here and go do it. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to go see that book
1: in the Far Reaches. You still need that- to check up on the Cleric Friend? Yes, that and the Far Reaches thing is because apparently we need some kind of um, teleportation infernal thing. Gateways. Infernal gateway. And apparently and that's apparently, where it
3: is. Apparently there's one here in yeah. Far Reaches. Well, that's convenient.
1: So that's why I'm interested in going down there, but yeah, so we'll we'll leave that for next session I guess we'll go we'll go see how our new cleric of Goras or Straven is. <laughs> hopefully he's as he's as handsome as his name indicates. I see how the
3: lecture <laughs> went yeah
1: and then and then we'll have to figure out if you want to go to the boneyard or the far reaches first because I'm pretty sure I- those are gonna be in opposite directions. I really despise the fact that my dream had, like, people attacking me, because I have a bad feeling there's just going to be something really hostile somewhere.
0: (laughs) And, like, now that my mom is in the library, I'm, again, very concerned. So now, here's the issue. Now we're talking about, well, what are we going to actually use as our debrief topic? So, if you have preferences, I'm willing to hear them. (laughs) My vote is for uh,
1: Sentient Weapons. Okay, sounds good. Sure. Okay. All right. Do you have thoughts about that? Especially because <laughs> I love the,
4: the, the <laughs> title
1: you gave it
0: for from our list of, of, of possible oh. topics. <laughs> yeah, uh, the title was Sentient Weapons, The Good, The Bad, The Brilliant, and The Ugly. Um,
2: so, Which it sounds it, like they're more work for you than anyone else. They're <laughs> essentially, they're M- NPCs <laughs> that you have to keep straight. Absolutely yes, they
4: are.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, a bit. Um, so uh, I, I think that's, um, that's the ugly part. (laughs) 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 That's the, that's the ugly part. I so, um, I'm, so this also gets a bit into player agency because a lot of times when there's a sentient weapon, they can, uh, enforce their will on a PC if the PC has attuned to them in some way, um. And there's a you know a discordance or a concordance scale, and if you make the sentient weapon happy, it gives you some kind of benefits, and if you don't, then it sort of doesn't. Um, And that's not someone. Someone's still using fourth edition rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this was this was the no, no, no. So you're right. Yeah, that's fourth edition. So, but that that was the basis of how I used to make sentient weapons in the setting, and I really hated that. I didn't like it because the problem with it is is it makes it a dmpc right and right. I, I the dmpc is a very distasteful kind of thing for me because i just don't kind of run my games that way if that makes sense like i i don't a dmpc uh is is a pc that's run by the dm and often enforces their themes and and ideas and choices on the rest of the group right and i don't I mean, I don't usually run a DMPC, and so it's a it's a bit of a balancing act for me to run sentient weapons. If they if they kind of they almost encroach on that territory, right? I mean, if you think of Bolam in this particular game, Bolam tries to convince you to do things, but I never go so far as to make you do what he wants, right? But I know of many DMs who say, "Well, if you don't do what." This sentient weapon, once this sentient weapon that you have chosen to wield and that you've chosen to deal with, if you don't do it, there's going to be some really serious repercussions, and I'm going to punish you for not doing that. And I don't like that. Like, I don't like that part of it. I just as a person, as a DM, I don't like that part of it. Not that there shouldn't be consequences for player choices, that's a different topic. But the idea of punishing a player for not doing what a sentient weapon wants their pc to do because the dm wanted that to happen like i that starts getting into player agency problems and so yeah, i have i think i, I think the it. big problem there is that it's not so much a consequence
1: as much as a the weapon takes over your body and does it for you instead right and right then it's no longer a consequence it's you're taking over the character's character and that's kind of your player's character <laughs> right right and that's where the player agency problem comes in and that's a and that's like you were mentioning the fourth edition rules which are interesting Mm -hmm. in terms of concordance and like if you Mm -hmm. do this you gain and you can gain more benefits of the sword as kind of like unlocking its potential but um fifth edition still has the whole if you go against what your weapon wants your weapon might you know try to take you over to force you to do the thing like that's yeah, still a so, thing
0: in the fifth edition version. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm looking crazy. at the DM the DMG right now. So on page two fourteen, for those of you playing along at home, it talks about how to create a sentient magic item, and it gives you a way to communicate. You roll about their senses and yada 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 what their special purpose is, and then it gives you some examples of the properties of those items and what the personality is and so you know the t- it, the examples it gives you are are a couple of well known ones for example one of them is Whelm, the um the uh, the weapon the warhammer from um uh, what is it from the from white Plume right from white mountain and it has a personality right and the thing is that it if if you don't make it happy right it also gives an example of wave right which is the trident the so, you know similar trident for also from white Plume, right? So so if you, uh, here's what it says. It says, a sentient item has a will of its own. It's shaped by its personality and alignment. If its wielder acts in a manner opposed to the item's alignment or purpose, conflict can arise. When such a conflict occurs, the item makes a charisma check contested by the wielder's charisma check. If the item wins the contest, it makes one or more of the following demands. It insists on being carried or worn at all times. It demands that its wielder dispose of anything that it finds repugnant. It demands that its wielder pursue the item's goals to the exclusion of all else, or the item demands to begin with someone else. If its wielder refuses to comply with the item's wishes, the item can do any or all of the following, make it impossible for its wielder to attune to it, suppress one or more of its activated properties, or attempt to take control of its wielder. So, That's a lot. so so here's the thing, when I mentioned the concordance score in the beginning, I did that because this actually doesn't even really have a concordance score. It just has a save, right? You just make a saving throw, and if you fail the saving throw, that sentient weapon can do whatever it wants. At least in 4th edition when you had a concordance, you could actually start pushing the boundaries and you would know what your con- you know when you were sort of g- getting into disfavor with this weapon so you could adjust and it wasn't just an all of a sudden here. Make a saving throw, and if you if you fail, you you have lost this contest. I, lost I feel like contest. in simplifying
1: it for fifth edition, they kind of took that and said leave that to like the role play element and not give it like a mechanic. It's still baked. The idea is still baked in. It's just there's no mechanics for a score as such. It's just hey if. The wielder and the, the, the magic item is at odds for a long time. They, the item has this ability to do that. And like, it's, I think part of it is because you're kind of emulating the fact that, sure, as a sentient item, it too has agency. So once you, mm-hmm. once you, the player decides to attune to it, you now have this other agency that you're, you have to play nice with
2: but but who wants that because as a player what would really be the incentive to want to have that for your character because it's a liability under most circumstances right i mean like the way i see it your weapon your character's weapon is something that you you're constantly looking to upgrade you're choosing it's like the number one tool you have for dealing with a very specific conflict which is the combat mechanics of the the game and so you're constantly like you know trading it in and out for a better one as it comes along and i would think that a, a sentient weapon it's generally going to be a high powered Weapon. It's not the sentience comes with with the strings of you're wielding more power, but then you have to deal with this thing being essentially alive because it's so powerful. So I've never I've never Mm -hmm. played in a game where I've had to deal with mechanics that I fought against like fourth edition. I've only it's only been more role play. But in all the experiences I've had, they're either they're one of two things. They're either just kind of fun a fun NPC that you banter back and forth with. It has a personality, whether it's a pain in the ass or it's silly or it's trying to like, you know, uh, you know, go back and forth with you. And and that's relatively harmless. That's just that's just an NPC. That's kind of a fun personality. Then there's the other side where it has some agenda, it has some agency in the game because it's a plot device, right? There's something revolving around the item that's that's creating story that you have to deal with. And that in of itself, if that's being done, that's cool because that's, that's role play, that's story. So you deal with the pain in the ass that comes along with it. But if, I don't think I'd like it if it were purely just every time I want to do something, I roll dice against my weapon to see if it agrees with me. And <laughs> I, I think I would find that to be too much of a liability. And at some point I'd be like, well, is it even worth it for me to have this thing? I'm going to check this and just get something that I know is going to perform for me every time, even if it's going to be a little less powerful. And doesn't yeah. talk back. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I think I think that's the <laughs> that's the the balance that like actually happens because uh, it, in my in the Undermountain campaign there is a sentient weapon that you can find and my players found it and and started using it and yeah for the most part it was like whenever the wielder of the weapon would not want or something the weapon would be like come on you can do better like come on I I've got all these great powers and you're not using me properly mm-hmm. and. It- yeah.
4: <laughs> That's but awesome.
1: like sure, it's got <laughs> and it has its its things, but like for example, in this case, the sword kind of has as long as it's being used in a way that it feels epic, you can do whatever the heck you want and it's not gonna try to oppose you at all. If it starts getting bored, <laughs> meaning <laughs> you're stuck in town or whatever, then it might start imposing itself because its like main goal is to return to its place of origin because it's been apart from its creators for so long and it can like force the player to just go and the thing is the sword one of the abilities it has is uh using tree stride so it can actually make mm. the k- character just leave and halfway across the world and bye <laughs> <laughs> but like i think the main thing from a dm perspective is making sure that whatever sentient weapon you introduce to the party has goals similar to the party already so that that conflict is less likely to arise. And if it does arise, it is at least organic in terms of the story you're trying to like do with the rest of the party.
2: Right. But they can be some incredible story seeds. Oh yeah. I mean, I think I like, I think Sam has, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he's worked like all of the (laughs) weapons we have, He's, they're either potentially front and center, like Bolam is, more because it's integrated in the story, or they're just waiting to be integrated. They could go in any any direction, any time, based on if we start interfacing with their personalities in a certain way. Um, and that, to me, that that's like that's experienced, like high level GM stuff, right? Because it's one thing to just have a personality you're you're creating as an NPC for the weapon, but to then also play it in a manner where, it, at any given time, it can integrate into the story. That seems like that's pretty advanced. That would be hard for a lot of people to do.
0: Matt yeah. you were gonna
2: say something. I was just saying, like, um, as far as like what Car was saying about like the conflicts and stuff,
3: like yeah, it's if it's it's generally not good to have like something that's like going to be diametrically opposed mm-hmm. to either mm-hmm. the the personality of the person who finds it or what the party is trying to do. I mean, there can be there's certainly room for like maybe smaller scale conflicts or whatever or smaller scale disagreements, but like the overall big picture goal should like the weapons should have the overall big picture goal, same big picture goal as the as the party. Now the fun can be you know then there's disagreements on how to go about achieving that goal, but it's like it's there, as long as everyone's kind of on, more or less on the same page of what has to ultimately be done, then it can be yeah then it can you're not trampling on player agency, you're not putting a essentially a DMN PC that's not going to really mesh with the rest of the group. I will say one of yeah. the fun things as a, as a player about it, having ascension weapons is finding is like figuring out all the little personality quirks that they can have. Um, over time it's, it's it kind of goes back to what we what we were talking last time about like you know curses and cursed items and whatnot, and the ways that those can be made more effective um you know like don't reveal every aspect of the curse at once have it come in little bits like Like a little bit a little bit here a little bit there the ascension weapon can kind of come along in the same kind of manner so you might think oh you start hearing you, like I could introduce a, like a dagger that says oh you like one day when you unsheat it, you start hearing just faint little whispers in it, and that's all. Nothing else. But it's like it's like only to be say, "Oh, is that the wind blowing?" No, there's actually gonna be a little voice here, and then after a week, like, okay, you maybe heal, you can maybe start to make out one or two actual words now, and just have that develop as time, over to, over and more over time. And I mean, people are naturally gonna be curious about something. Like, oh, why is why is my dagger talking now? Why can I hear <laughs> words coming out of this? And that, that's just gonna that story just gonna write itself. One of the things, and I guess I don't have much familiarity, familiarity with older editions, but from what things I've read, like I can remember a couple. 4th edition, like, artifacts, like, they're like sentient weapons or sentient armor or whatever, and they would have, like, about a full page worth of just backstory and war behind them, so with the DM, that's really fun to just integrate into your game or, or tweak to how you like it, and yeah, like, so, you know, it can really be a driving force for a story.
2: Yeah, and that's actually kind of cool, right, because they can, they can remain this open window uh, they can they can start out totally benign and be nothing more than just something you converse with, and they could remain that way for a long time until the GM finally like wants to speak through them or, or through that that window, open it up, and then push more story through, right? And then suddenly there can be uh, something more happening. So I guess mm-hmm. that's that's probably something worth saying too, right? For for beginner dungeon masters, there, it's probably pretty intimidating. I would think to do something like that, a sentient weapon, it's a tough thing to manage. Consistently throughout the game, but you could kind of start small, just start as like a small little personality, and then eventually, maybe an opportunity presents itself where it can expand. Mm -hmm.
1: I feel like sentient weapons have a lot of options in terms of their use in a campaign. Like, it can be the big MacGuffin, it can be the thing they find more or less in the middle that leads them to. They need the knowledge of that sentient weapon to find whatever or destroy whatever their main goal is. Like, there's a lot of options there. I like, um, I don't know if, uh, for our fourth edition campaign, I don't know if Sam is familiar with the Ashen Crown, Mm -hmm. but I introduced the Ashen Crown into that with the, the whole, like they found first one magical Mm -hmm. piece of it. And when you find one piece of the Ashen Crown, which I think has five pieces, it's just a magical item. It does absolutely nothing. But once you start attuning to more but you do have like a sense that there's other pieces that are connected to it so you can kind of like feel in which direction if you're getting close to another of the pieces there is and slowly they started at the beginning they were attuning to it within the group um the different pieces that they've just found here and there until there were enough pieces of this artifact that it could regain enough sentience that it could start speaking to the party And it started speaking to the one that had the like simple circlet where everything else kind of goes into it. And they had a lot of fun with that, especially the person who ended up with the actual sentient crown and 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 the banter back and forth. I, I probably hope that, you know, the person who had it really likes RPing with me, so they just <laughs> love the personality that I
0: gave the crowns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you I'll tell you um, the basis of sentient weapons and artifacts in my setting, in the setting you're in right now, but I, first I want to hear what Nina has to say cuz she hasn't really said anything. Yeah,
1: this is kind of a topic that's newer ish Maybe since I haven't, like, introduced anything in my game that's sentient weapon-ish, and I don't have anything in this game that my character specifically is dealing with, but I think Matt summed up pretty much what I wanted to say, um, is that that conflict is kind of interesting, that there can be that conflict with characters, but how do you kind of contain that so that it doesn't get out of hand, like, to the point where the weapon takes control of the player and runs off? So... I don't know. I think it, it can be used in a hundred different ways and there's not really a right or wrong way to do it, but it's definitely something new to me. And it's a little, like David was saying, it's kind of intimidating, uh, looking at like how many different ways it can go and how many different things can happen and what the players are going to do with it and all that jazz. So
3: one of the things that they use in the critical role is use of the but they, they have like these legendary artifacts called Vestige, vestiges of divergence, and in their handbook, you know, they start off as just kind of like a slightly better than normal magical weapon. But then over time, as your own acts and deeds progress, you know, as you do more and more epic things with them, the weapon itself kind of unlocks wow. more of its own potential and gains new powers. So that's maybe is a can be an interesting way to do it. Is, you know, you you get something that maybe has a, maybe a small bit of personality, but then as you over time it can it, that can progress and develop more
0: interesting yeah so I don't have the critical role books so I don't I have heard of those vestiges though because there was a lot of uh, chatter about them when when their original uh, book came out because I think they're in the original book they're not they just
3: in Wildmount right yeah um, no, the original the original book have all the ones they use in campaign one as well as eh, maybe eight or ten other ones that you know they never use and they never found. And each one is mm-hmm. essentially like, you know, it starts off as like a plus one weapon. There's a little bit of lore. And then, you know, each one has individual powers. And then, um, as you, I mean, there's there's no, the nice thing about this, like, there's, it's all, all the powering up of it is essentially tied to the player's role playing choices. Mm-hmm. It's not like, not even like level milestones. It's not like, oh, once you hit a certain level, it, it does this. It's just right. once the player, you know, spent enough time and done enough cool stuff, now the, now there is more benefits to having the having the weapon or the item. And that can be something that's done by role play, something that's done by just over the course of you know a scope of a campaign, or maybe the player learns, hey, this is this is an actual thing you can have you can awaken more power with. And if you do X, Y, and Z, and then that can be a sort of a driving motivator for the uh, for some campaign development.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So in Ruberin, sentient weapons and artifacts are the same. There there is no such thing as an artifact that is not sentient and there's no such thing as a sentient weapon that's not also considered an artifact. I know in the the DMG for 5th edition, you'll see there's actually a different section because artifacts aren't necessarily sentient um, in in the standard core rules. But in this setting, they are one and the same. Uh, And the sentient weapons are items that were created, and they may have been normal items at first, but through some... Activity and it might not have been um, even purposeful. In other words, it wasn't necessarily a wizard trying to create something and craft into it a sentience, making it a sentient weapon. It's more like there was an event, and during that event, a piece of a soul was put into that weapon and produced a sentient weapon. And now that weapon takes on properties that make it you know different right it now is we would probably call it out of time it's a it's a time traveler because it's a timeless item right it doesn't necessarily it now will exist forever but not necessarily in one timeline at the same time uh if that sort of makes sense um so for example as soon as that sentient item is created it has that it once it gets the soul put into it and it now becomes the sentient item that soul is a soul it's no longer a mortal being it is a soul which is immortal so well, at least for all intents and purposes to the mortal people they think of souls as immortal so that soul then is, since it's immortal it has access to all of the time points on time right or in time i should probably say so therefore um that's why that thing happened a couple of ep- couple episodes ago where bolum or Bolam said to you i thought i was in a different time i didn't know i was now i thought i was sometime else right. instead of somewhere else he doesn't see really locations as much as he sees points in time and part of that is because he's he's a soul Or at least part of one. In fact, usually when a sentient weapon is accidentally produced, the soul has been split somehow, and not it's not whole. And so since the soul is not whole, that means either that soul is always going to be bound to that weapon and can never be released, which is almost a form of torture if you think about it, Mm
4: -hmm.
0: or it can be matched with the other pieces of its own soul, and then somehow... You can bring it together, and then that soul can be set free. But now you no longer have a sentient weapon. So you no longer, longer have that magical item that is timeless, right? So so that's, that's kind of the thing that happens. And so the reason that it's like that, part of it has to do with the history of the world and the different campaigns I've run in this setting. But uh, part of it is that allows me as a DM to make a sentient weapon that has motivation and has... A sort of memory of things or access to knowledge about certain times, which is just a weird fancy way of saying memory, right? Like when you have a memory of something that happened last week, you just have a weird access to knowledge of what happened last week. That's that's all memory is, right? Well, if you if you think about it, if you could have immediate instantaneous access to any point in time, and you could immediately recall the events as they occurred at that point in time, even if your current body wasn't alive then, that would be like some kind of fantastical, odd thing, right? So that's what these sentient weapons have. They're out of time, they are not locked to the timeline. So, anyway, the reason I did that is as a DM, it lets me create this fantastical thing with a motivation and uh, a drive and a personality that doesn't necessarily have to take over the player that is, or the PC that's wielding it, right? Because the motivation doesn't necessarily have a uh, a time limit right it's not like it's not like Bolam ever said to Konos, "Hey, you need to go through that gate and you have to do it within the next five minutes, otherwise you know you're gonna completely change this timeline for the worse and I know that's gonna happen, so you need to do that right your choice is time limited there is no time limit for this thing. It's a soul trapped in an artifact and it became a sentient weapon and you know, who knows what's going to happen, right? So it doesn't have a necessity to take over the PC's agency by design. Right. So that's why they're like that. Hmm. So, yeah. So now you know a little bit about Polam.
3: <laughs> well, this is also giving me some uh, some, just some some question material for yeah if I have time <laughs> to talk to it. Yeah.
0: I
1: actually had recently in my game the problem that, well... Uh, One of my characters is a hexblade. And we were on a level of the Undermountain where they had to find a sunsword. They knew there was a sunsword here. And also it was related to a bronze dragon. And my hexblade is a bronze dragon draconic sorcerer. So things started to line up too well. And last minute decision when they picked up that Sun sword, which is supposed to be just, you know, one of the many sun swords, not the sun sword. I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is going to be the conduit through which my hex blade is getting his powers <laughs> and made it on the spot a sentient weapon. So that's been going great. And there was a, there was a great reaction from, from all the players when they picked it up and it started talking and
0: they, and they were like, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, oh, no, is exactly the uh, response that you want to hear. <laughs> well, I think uh, we can wrap it up then. To our listeners, uh, thank you for listening, and we hope you've been enjoying it. And I think we'll say goodbye.
4: Bye, hey, everybody. Bye,